This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the Deal. deal. Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to the OFD Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Voles, site manager, emperor, supreme warlord, and defender of the faith over at OneFootDown.com on the SB Nation Network. And joining me are my two friends, Jude Seymour, senior writer and editor over at the site, and the chief inspector, don't steal his fucking car, Brendan McAlinden. Tell us <laughs> what is happening. Brendan, did you know, did you know that Jude and I are now... Uh, basically, Red Bull executives. We have decided what, <laughs> uh, what the roster of drinks are. Uh, we're in it. Green's coming. The, the fucking plum flavor is coming back. I told my wife, any kiwi apple you see, scoop them up because they are they are gone. So. They're gone. I went <sighs> to Myers and and found the, uh, the the not the twelve ounce, but the eight four or whatever of the of the. Uh, pomegranate and i and they were like snuck behind like the other ones that i grabbed them all mm-hmm. but then when i checked out they were only a they were only a dollar oh wow dude it was so cheap <laughs> i'm just like i like i have not been winning this last cut these last couple of weeks i have been losing badly that was a massive win i was so pumped and then it was just maybe i think it was later that night when uh, when we talked to the dude that works at Red Bull, but there's a I never felt like a winner more in my life than knowing that uh, that dragon fruit is coming back. Anyways, yeah, a dollar, Jude. That's I'm cheap. looking forward to what is it? Strawberry apricot? What's the what's the spring flavor? Yeah, I'm yes, looking forward yes, to that. 
Yes, the uh, the new summer flavor is going to be strawberry apricot. But if you check on Amazon right now for the pomegranate flavor, like a case is like 75 bucks. Ooh. Like it's out everywhere. Maybe and you should have uh, maybe you should have turned around and sold, <laughs> sold your dollar I was cans. Thinking about, I was thinking about <laughs> I was thinking about going to hitting all the Myers up in Fort Wayne and buying them all and then sell, you know, sell them on Amazon. But that that takes, you know, initiative. Right. There's a couple of trolls who are selling like um, 16 ounce cans of cranberry on eBay for like 80 bucks or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, dude. Like, dude, that, I love cranberry, Gary, but I'm not paying 80 bucks for a single can. So that's some Gary V shit right there. It is <laughs> scarcity. <laughs> uh, so how you guys doing? Uh, better than you, apparently. So sorry to hear about whatever's going on in your world, but uh, we're doing all right. I'm doing all right. Brendan, are you, are you alive? I'm, I'm, I've got about a foot and a half of snow, but other than that, I'm fine. Yeah. We got about three, four inches. Uh, I'm, I'm doing a lot better than, uh, members of the big 10 West are probably feeling right now. <laughs> Finding out that, uh, their free ride to the big 10 title game might be coming to an end here as the big 10 looks towards, uh, <laughs> moving away from divisions if i'm iowa uh yeah good luck ever getting to a big 10 title game again ever 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 ever, ever. maybe caleb williams is- can help uh break through wisconsin and, and get him into the uh, big 10 title game in the divisionless uh era and even with caleb williams it's it's hard to imagine i mean just i don't know I, I don't see. I mean, Wisconsin has to elevate. Hey, can you just see? Can you see them elevating? No, because not only if there's no divisions, they're not going to get a chance to duck Ohio State on the reg. So they're going to get <laughs> Ohio State on a more <laughs> regular basis. So it's like, right. yeah, I just, uh, I, I love, I, I hate divisions. I think that that's the the lamest part of um, being in a conference is the fact that you have to play the same, you know six, seven teams in perpetuality. And then yeah. you get to play those crosstown rivals. What? Once every seven years. Yeah. I really suck to have the same, like three or four teams on your schedule every single year and just well, keep playing them. Three or four is fine. Jude. <laughs> but when, when two thirds of your schedule is, you know, Purdue, Indiana, you know, Northwestern, there's some problems. Uh, I mean, you basically, you're basically so close to talking about Notre Dame in the 1990s there. I mean, swap out Indiana for uh, Michigan, you know, State. Team. Michigan, yeah, Michigan State, State. Yeah. Michigan, um, you know, but Michigan yeah. State was a problem in the 90s, though. The thing. They, were. they were a problem. They were good, they were but they problem. were a problem. <laughs> we're definitely a problem. Well, hey, before we get any farther, let me just remind everybody. Don't have any reviews tonight, which is sad and lonely, and depressing. Come on, get your asses over to Apple Podcasts, leave a rating, leave a review. Every review that you leave, I will read word for word here on the next uh, OFD podcast. And tonight, think I mean, actually, it's probably thankful that we don't have uh, reviews tonight because this is the 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 Megasaurus uh, Q and A. There's a lot <laughs> of questions tonight, and. I don't know. There, there's two Mac guys on here and an ND grad. And when I said, hey, there's a lot of questions in the DMs earlier today, I thought maybe the ND grad would like be the academic. <laughs> like, I should look. No, 
Nah. The empty ground did not, did not look. Uh, and <laughs> totally coming in blind, doing it. So, so, and these were, uh, the questions were reserved for the, uh, I, I put up the post, uh, three days ago up on the site. Um, so if you don't check the site regularly, start checking it regularly. Uh, put it up there. The questions reserved for that post and the Twitter replies. Uh, no Facebook questions were, or took. Uh, I mean, I had a guy today on Facebook trying to tell me I was full of shit that uh, that Boo Corrigan uh, was just an employee of Notre Dame. Uh, obviously, this old man that was confusing him for his father. Uh, but it's just that kind of stuff uh, that I cannot deal with. Anyways. <laughs> Uh, but so before we get to the questions very quickly, the, um, just some bits of news coming through. Um, and, and one of them is, uh, about, about Boo Corrigan, who is the, uh, the, uh, athletic director over at, uh, at NC state, uh, who Nate Lazinski, as I speak, just dunked all over. Um, but he's also a Notre Dame grad class of 1990, um, his father, Gene, obviously a huge ND ties is now the chairman of the college football playoff selection committee, uh, along with, uh, with Brendan's boy, Chet, Chet Gladstone. Chet. Chet's on that committee too. And Navy's AD. <clears throat> so there is some, I don't know how much this actually matters. Like on the surface, it looks like, Hey, Notre Dame has some real friends and allies in that room. I don't know how much that matters but at least they're not Tyrone Willingham. Uh, at least it's not all ward manual. <laughs> you, know, <the> yeah. <laughs> you can't build the whole, the whole yeah, committee out of ward manuals. <laughs> I, Brendan, I didn't check Twitter. Did you, the DM picture you sent us of, uh, of boo and ward. You said, did you tweet that out? I did not. <laughs> the, oh my God. That was perfect. That was absolutely perfect. Oh, shoot. All right. So, so Boo and Boo and Kevin are brothers then, right? Kevin Corrigan, the men's lacrosse coach. Yes. Okay. And and Gene is daddy. Gene is Gene is dad, right? Yeah. Okay. Daddy. Yeah. Right. And he just died though. Like last year. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Was it last year or two years ago? I don't know. It seems like a forever ago. Um, yeah, maybe it was two years ago. Whatever. Okay. Okay. I know him as the former AD of Notre Dame. Okay. I I got it all straight now. The problem was okay. in my head, Gene was the cross coach. And I was like, that's not right. It's somebody no. else, Corrigan. But, and then I said, oh, wait, Kevin. So, okay. So maybe okay, I should no. be nicer about that old man on, on Facebook. <laughs> Cause I, I am that old Cause man. Cause you're confused too. <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> uh, I mean, do, do you guys think that this, has any real effect on Notre Dame or is it just like a nice thing to see? No, I don't think it has any effect. Oh, every um, single AD has a connection to Notre Dame. It feels like, so I'm not surprised yeah. that we finally got one of them on the, the committee who has tangible connections. So, well, I mean, no, there's, there's Condi a few years back, right? Condi was on, uh, sure. On the yeah. Tyrone, of course. Uh, Tyrone. Yeah. <laughs> Lionel always Ty, if you prefer. Lionel He's Tyrone. always an advocate of collecting a paycheck. He does, in fact, love to. And you know what? I bet they don't. It doesn't interfere with this golf schedule. So, <laughs> you know, you know, it doesn't. He's like, you know, we could just do these uh, these meetings on Zoom. 
Uh, I get great. I get great service out here at the uh, Rolling Pine Hills. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's out there FaceTiming like OJ Simpson on the golf course. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, and then you, Notre Dame started finally started making their their hires official. Uh, he Stan, uh, Stucky, and Washington were all officially uh, named their uh, Mason's Mason coaches. Uh, Mason as well. Mason. Yeah, and Mason. Yeah, yeah. He was the, that was the one coach that I didn't plagiarize the press press release from. So uh, <laughs> go Joshua, go. Didn't have didn't have those five minutes, you know. Uh, so. You know, all this is good news. That means these guys, now that they're officially hired by the university, now they can really, you know, dig into recruiting or he stand could just not really recruit, but, uh, yell, uh, yell and get, get guys to do things. That's, that sounds good. And that's really it. I mean, there's, there's no real movement with DC stuff. There's just like, there's Al Golden's name is up there. Um, uh, Houston's DC, uh, Belk. Name is up there. Belk, yeah. yeah. Doug Belk. Belk Bowl, bring it back. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, there's there's just not a whole lot. There's not a whole lot of, like, certainties, right? Like, like there's nothing that's, like, this is imminent or there's these discussions. It's just kind of like, these are the names. And we're just kind of waiting. Yeah, so the way that I understand it is that the the everybody is so focused on – uh, recruiting right now because the dead period is coming up again on Friday. So I think that my guess is that the coaching stuff has been, um, and that's smart. That's smart. It's too. Not, I, back burner is probably too strong of a word, but just sort of like the lower priority, the priority has been getting in front of kids at, in their houses. Right. So, right. And if like, if Al Golden is your leader at, at DC, he ain't going he's anywhere. Busy. Yeah, he's busy right now. So I mean, so I mean, all all this seems fine. And actually, I point. I guess if you want to like connect some dots, I think it probably points more to Golden than than a than a Belk uh, at this point. Well, I mean, some D- prospective DCs, if they're interviewing and getting into that sort of business, a lot of schools are still trying to finalize their. Uh, signing day because national signing day is in exactly one week right. from when we're recording today and you know these guys don't know if they're going to get the notre dame job and they'd like to you know maybe see these recruits and if they don't get the nd job not like to be uh seen as a shaky situation um leading into signing day for whatever their school is so absolutely all I mean, right I definitely would would feel sorry for anybody who just moved to another job and then found out that they're the guy above them is leaving for a job that got hired by his brother of the head coach that he's now working for. Was that tortured enough? <laughs> did, I, did, did I beat that? <laughs> did I beat that to damn death? Anyways, the illusion I'm making is apparently that the there's some rumblings that the Ravens, who are courts coached by John Harbaugh, have interest in, in Michigan's defensive coordinator, who's of course the uh, subordinate of Jim Harbaugh. So, yeah. And Mike McDonald was actually recommended. They made a big to do about it in the off season about how Jim reached out to John um, after Don Brown moved on. It was like, I need a defensive coordinator. And he was like, Hey, I got this linebackers coach on my staff. He's too young to be a, 
uh, DC for me, but he's up and coming. Why don't you take him? And then Jim did that and their defense. I think they acquitted themselves pretty well this year. And um, yeah, now John, uh, after Mike's been seasoned a little bit, came back and, and took, took Mike from, from old Jim. And uh, thanks to M live, we now know that there was um, a, there's a contract out for Elston. Sounds like he made $600,000. And, to and, and who, put the, who put that tweet out there? Angelique. Yeah. Our girl. Yeah. Honestly, the uh, best in the uh, U of M biz. If you hate Michigan, and you hate them so much, you have to know everything that they're doing. <laughs> she is the best Twitter follower. She, it, it's not a, there's not a, like the arrogance that you get from other uh, beat writers of, of Michigan, but Angelique knows all. She knows all, sees all. She is one of the truly great, um, great beat reporters out there in college football, especially with just getting all the information possible. Uh, and I like to sell her up because I think she's just a cool chick. And we both laughed very hard when we, when I talked to her about uh, uh, falling down the stairs in Montgomery Inn in uh, Cincinnati. Cause if you've ever been there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. It, it, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's just disaster uh, in like 27 steps. I just, I just want to add that um, I love public records requests and, and apparently in this contract, Elston does not have to pay a buyout if he takes a head coaching job at the FBS level or NFL, or if quote, Jim Harbaugh is no longer the head coach at the university of Michigan, <laughs> end quote, <laughs> which could still happen. Totally could still happen. Raiders still so. need a coach. I was speaking of that, of that Elston contract, like, I was under the impression Mike was making close to a million, if not a million at Notre Dame. Like, so part I, of his- I don't, I don't think he was making a million. Cause I think if he made a million, he would have shown up on the nine nineties that I look at every year, but that doesn't mean he couldn't have been making 990,000. You know what I mean? Right. He just, I, he wasn't one of the top close. Yeah. He wasn't the most <laughs> compensated, um, person that they've ever had, but I, I would, my assumption would be that he made over $600,000 without actually knowing anything. Right. And that's just the base salary. That doesn't include, uh, cause what they do with a lot of these contracts is the university will pay X amount of dollars and then Nike will pay, um, or whoever the, the, yeah, the clothing stipend and yeah, wear our clothes and we'll pay you X amount of dollars. And yeah, yeah. yeah of course. Yeah. yeah. And that's, and we saw that a lot with, you know, like for years I was battling this, um, you know, cause I would put out that their name would play Brian Kelly, but I don't remember what it was. 2.5 million. Yeah. Something. Yeah. 2.2 million, 2.5 whatever it was. People were like, that's not what he really makes. And it's like, yeah, I, I, I get that. That's not what he really makes. But like, until they come out with a number, it's like the NBC contract until they, until somebody comes out with a reportable number, like this is the best information that we have. Now, when he left, we got a, we got a better number from John Bryce and others. It sounded like it was more like seven or $8 million. Right. And so like, obviously that gave us a better sense of what can be gained for the head coach at Notre Dame. Now, does that trickle down to the defensive line coach at Notre Dame? <laughs> Not to the extent the head coach gets it, but I'm sure there, right. you know, I'm sure that there are opportunities, right? So, um, right. so yeah. So even if he was making $600,000 at Notre Dame, it's, I think it'd be fair to say that he, he wasn't limited to just that as his only source of income. And maybe he right. can take over uh, defensive coordinator duties uh, for Michigan and, 
uh, like he did for Notre Dame, give up 600 yards of uh, of offense to uh, to to an OSU. Yeah, to an OSU. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just, I gotta be honest with you. Like I like Mike Elson. I'm not sure I'm going to sit there and listen to this slander. So. <laughs> listen, listen, Mike, Mike is a born and bred four one niner. Uh, and I have, I had, I had forgiven his treacherous heart, uh, for leaving the four one nine, uh, for Ann Arbor, but I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll you gotta toss him a little bit of shade. You gotta toss him some shade. Like I love Elston and, and all he's done at Notre Dame without a doubt. But at the end of the day, it's uh, you're an assistant coach that left Notre Dame and uh, your last performance uh, for them was not very good. Uh, so I think it's all fair. Yeah, it's fair. All right. Let's get into why we're here uh, and then let's spend the next five hours uh, talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm worried. You guys have a kid. Have you always have, don't, don't know. Dude, I'm a little worried, worried about this episode. There's somebody fighting a, like DC traffic. Who's like five hours. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, we've done. Brendan, didn't we do a five hour one? Like last summer or two summers ago? Uh, we, if not five hours, we came pretty close over the pretty three hour. Mark. Like three, People, three and change, like almost four hours. Oh, we've eclipsed three many times. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Shit. Like an episode of Hardcore History. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. Let's get into get into Carla style. All right. So let's get into the questions. First one here from NJ John ninety four. ND football is now defunct. I'm not giving you guys a reason why. What team are you now supporting with the same passion? I mean, I can go first. Um, I probably would turn my attention to the NFL, to be honest with you. Um, because if, if Notre Dame doesn't exist anymore, it's probably because um, college football has so radically changed that it's basically a development, like a G League for um, NFL, for, yeah. for the NFL. And so I might as well just watch the NFL, to be honest with you, because it's college, okay. college, all the things I love about college football, I probably don't, it probably don't exist anymore. Um, I made a secret of the fact my team is the New York Giants. I think they've given me 18 happy Saturdays or Sundays in the last hundred Sundays that they played. So it's pretty slim pickings, but uh, I probably would get a lot more interested in, in them. I, as it is, I, I spend a lot of my time on focus on our day. I, the easy answer for me would be Central Michigan, but the problem is, is like you just can't get behind a Mac school in the same way that you can get behind Notre Dame just because of the stakes. And I disagree. You, you think so? I, I just I don't. I, know. I mean, I, I I just think if I've thought about this quite a bit because I I thought what if I just went ahead and started another Eastern Michigan site? Like I was gonna I was gonna approach. SB Nation about it, but hey, I think I can handle two of them. Let's let's do an Eastern one and go with that. Um, I think that you can. I just think that it's a lot different. Like it's it's a lot different. Uh, but I think you can get behind them with the same passion. And I think I and honestly, Brendan, I think uh, with, with Central, 
I think it's way easier than like doing it with like Akron. Yeah, significantly, because at least Central within the last decade has had um, success. You know, success, but but even that hey, success who, who is has a sun who has a Sun Bowl victory. <laughs> who does have a Sun Bowl victory? Um, <laughs> it's just you know how on board with Jim Backwing can I get? Um, I don't know. It just it just feels like when you get nice things and you're a Mac school, it's all fleeting. Um, we sort of experienced that a little bit with, you know, Brian Kelly, but like if Jim McElwain puts together another good season this year, he's gone, uh, which yeah. he should, I mean, they're going to be loaded this year. They're, uh, all, they're all coming back, right? Yeah. They're all coming Lou, back. Lou Nichols is coming back, right? Yeah. Big Lou's coming back. Um, yeah. they should be the favorites for the conference. So, but I mean, even then like McElwain will be gone and then. It's like you're starting back over again. Uh, there's no intrigue in recruiting. It's it like part of Notre Dame. The fun too is you're looking at like recruits. recruiting. Yeah. There's none of that if you're a fan of the Mac. Like, how am I supposed to get excited out of you know a two-star kid from um, you know Fort Lauderdale? I, I can't. I, I just I just I, I don't know. It's, I don't know. I mean, we've had Watson. It's just a, it's a. I just think it's a different level. Like you can still get the same amount of excited, but it's just on a different level. Like me, a peon is excited. If, uh, someone takes me out for a $200 dinner, but if I was Jeff Bezos, uh, I would look at the guy like he was a cheap fucker. You know what I'm saying? Like so there's, there's just different levels, but there could always, you could always achieve happiness. Oh my God. Blake Wesley just got happiness from a happy rim. Anyway, you can get happiness for, you know, in different ways. Um, all right. So, so central aside, Brendan, is there another school? No, no. I mean, part of the thing is, and really with football as well, is I'm a pretty big proponent of if you either are raised a fan or you have to put in a significant amount of time watching and rooting for them. Like it took me 10 years before I became a Steelers fan. Like it wasn't, I, I started dating my wife in 2003 and like the Steelers are her, like she loves Notre Dame, but the Steelers are her were you, love. Were you coming from a Lions baseline? Yeah. Lions baseline. And then in 2011, Ooh. I went Lions free after the 2011 playoff game against new Orleans. And I was like, this is never going to happen. Everything is awful. And then I think in 2013 <laughs> is when I was like, you know what? I'm a Steelers fan now, but it took 10 years to do. So like, I, I don't think that like, like, how do you get excited for it? You can't just like pick a team and then get excited for them because it just, it would feel false and phony. And, and mm. I don't know. Well, I must, I'm the phoniest motherfucker alive because I, I got like a list of like, I, I at least a, a dozen schools that, that I could go. And I think if I just allowed myself, like if you take Notre Dame completely out of the equation, I think there's a, you know, Eastern's one of them. Army's another one. Cincinnati, although the Big 12 thing kind of freaks me out a little bit. Uh, you know, I could I could get behind Iowa just out of pure like nonsense reasons. You have to like, watch I, Iowa I, football I, then. You have to watch yeah. their offense. <laughs> Listen, I think for me, I think I could tie an ultimate fandom into 70% of the college football programs out there. If I just said, this is what I'm doing. 
Like I'm getting behind this and then just stay with it. I listen, I'm stupid loyal. Uh, so like, <laughs> so if I just say that's it right there, then that's it right there. And then I could, I think I could do the exact same thing I do now with Notre Dame with anybody else. If I just decided that's what I was doing. Uh, yeah. I mean, Tennessee would be fun. I mean, I guess I would be looking like more at like it. All right. Now I have an option. I've seen, I'm 43 years old. I've seen what's out there for 40, for 40 years. What option gives me the most amount of fun? And is, you know, is it just national championships? No. Otherwise I'd just pick fucking Alabama. And I, I could never, I just, that would be like the one I wouldn't choose. Like I'm the opposite of like, yeah, I, Josh, I, I agree with you because like, you know, growing up, I was, when I, I wasn't into hockey, but I wanted, I, I wanted to be friends with people that were into hockey. So I just, I picked the New Jersey Devils cause I lived in New Jersey and then I went to college and I really couldn't follow them. And so I was like, okay, you know, whatever. And then I moved to upstate New York and there really wasn't anything to do in this, this kind of like lull period after college football. So I started watching the Buffalo Sabres because I knew people that like watch the go, Buffalo yeah. Sabres and I could talk to them about it. You know what I mean? But like, um, right. I, I just came about my fandom just because I was like kind of out of necessity. Like, but I, I was really just picking a team I could, whose games I could get on television, you know? So right. Right. Mid. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, if you move to rough watch, <laughs> a mid-sized town somewhere in America, you become big fans of whatever minor league teams are in that town. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and sometimes their parent to, club too, because you yeah, see those. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So yeah, I could, I could do a whole bunch. Cincinnati, Eastern Michigan and Cincinnati would probably be my two big leans. And that goes back to, to schools that I was um, conflicted on in high school about where I was going to go to college at. Um, so that, that, there's a deeper base there, uh, but yeah, but just like the fun programs, Tennessee's one, I think, uh, for lots of reasons, uh, I, I guess, I guess Ohio state could be definitely be one. It'd be an easy one for me to fall into, uh, with my Ohio, uh, hashtag Ohio loyalty forever, uh, life that I live, uh, would be definitely be an easy one for me to get into and probably make my friends the happiest. Um, so, uh, You'd feel dirty though. Wouldn't you feel dirty? Uh, no, because I've always, I, I, no, because I've always preached. I've never preached hatred about Ohio state. And especially with my sons, I've always preached respect. Like, no, we want them to lose most games and not to dive too into the weeds. A lot, a lot of my disdain with Ohio state right now has to do with, uh, the urban vacation of, of the program, uh, dismantling what Trestle did, uh, across the state, uh, with, with high schools in, in Ohio, you know, I used to, I was telling my sons, you know, like you would, you respected Ohio state because that was, those were your guys on that team. Those were Ohio guys, uh, on, you know, on that team. And so no, no matter if you're a Notre Dame fan or not, you know, you could say, you know, I, Hey, I, you know, when you come up, you know, I played against guys that went to Ohio state. So you just, you, you gave that respect. Uh, but since urban came in and nationalized recruiting, which was a good for the program and for their winning ways, I, I lost a little, a little bit of that respect because it's far less of Ohio's college football team than it used to be. So I don't know. Anyways, that was one question. <laughs> one down a thousand to go. He's got three more in this. This is what I'm saying. I'm oh, so wow. Worried. Okay. Wow. Holy. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, uh, 
So let's make this one quick. Uh, each member of the podcast crew chooses one. Uh, okay, guys. First, make a case for why another form of potato preparation is better than a French fry. Uh, yeah, I can make like 15. Uh, yeah. <laughs> any, any preparation of potato that involves butter is better than a French fry. Uh, whether or not it's like, uh, you know, just give me a red potato, just boiled and then put into a pot with a stick of butter and a whole bunch of dill and salt. And you can sign me up for that. I mean, mashed potatoes, yeah, baby, a, a baby Yukon, baby Yukon's is same, same thing. Smash potatoes where yeah. you uh, parboil the potato and then you put them on a sheet pan covered in uh, butter again. And then you just take a potato masher and mash them flat and then put Course, Fre- uh, French, French fries are the absolute worst ways to eat a potato. I mean, it's not the optimal way. Mm, I'd the rather worst. eat those the than au Yeah, I would eat rather eat them than au uh, I mean, that, the hash brown is delicious. Uh, sign me up for the hash brown cooked in butter. I mean, just anything with butter and potatoes. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you guys, I mean, Brennan, what you were explaining or what you sounded like was like salt potato. We do salt potatoes a lot, which is just like. Drowning them in a bath of salt and water, right? And yeah. then they come out and they're hugely salty, and then they just put a bunch of butter over all of them. It's um, delicious. So just so just yeah. to seal the deal on this, we can make many cases. Uh, yeah, of there's there's many, cases of many different forms better than a French fry. All right, number two, you have to move and live there for ten years. Which do you choose, Columbus, Austin, or Tuscaloosa? Oh, this oh is my easy. God, Austin! It's so easy. It's Austin. Yeah, it's Austin. So, it's Austin. My God, because you get Columbus. to talk. No, shut up, because then you can, listen, you can listen to Ohio State fans dunk on you on the rag. No, you go to Austin. I don't care. No. Dude, you, Austin well, is such a beautiful uh, music scene, a beer scene, uh, a the, uh, performing arts scene. Like, it just, it's got everything, and it's in fucking beautiful Austin, Texas. Like, I Austin's just, gorgeous. Do you I, get winter in Austin? No, but you get delicious brisket no. for one. And second, <laughs> And second, you get to you get to no. dunk on Texas fans every single day, and you just you can walk into somewhere and you'd be like, hey, hey, is Texas back yet? Is Texas back? Every time you walk into a room, you just ask if Texas is back. So yeah. let's be clear this, here. This wasn't hard. T- Tuscaloosa isn't on like a top 100 list no, uh, of to live. Austin why I, actually. Why is, would I willingly live in Alabama? I'm, I just don't that I don't get. So yeah. Well, and Alabama fans basically lord over you, and you can't say anything in re, you can't retort. Like, what do you like? If an Alabama fan starts to stunt on you, what do you do? You just you just sit there and t- you just bend over. Here it comes again, Bohica, right? Because you can't do anything. But like, if a Texas fan, you can just be like, "Are you guys back? How's it going? How's how's coming back? How's sorry?" I choose it. I choose to stay in the great state of Ohio. Columbus is central. There's Cleveland, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh. There's just, there's, there's too much. There's so much around you. Uh, I love, I enjoy winter. Uh, I enjoy Hocking Hills, which is only an hour away from Columbus. Uh, I mean, this is chill a coffee. Columbus is a, is a commercial hub, uh, commercial banking hub of, of the country. Um, I, I just, I, I think it's a great city. I've, I've never, had a bad time in Columbus. Uh, yeah, you just never really been to Austin. That's your problem. I had no, I have not been to Austin. I've been down, yeah. been down to Texas. I have not been to Austin. But I, I don't care about that scene. 
I don't care about craft brew. I don't fucking care. No, that's true. Yeah, it, I, you should know that you should you should know that like all the things that people think are great about Austin are things that I don't care about. I just think about the kind of friends and the parents and the other kids, and I think about my kids going to school and in, in like Tuscaloosa or Columbus and having to put up with the the fan bases and having to to deal with that. But if you're in Austin, like what are Texas fans going to say to Notre Dame fan to a Notre Dame fan? Like what's a Texas fan going to say? Uh, we beat you the last time we played. I mean, that's great. What have you guys done since then? What's your favorite? What's your favorite? Uh, and you had a losing record that year too. It's Notre Dame, but like, what's your favorite uh, less than four loss season from Texas in the last, uh, you know, decade plus? No, I agree on that front. I agree on that front completely. Uh, plus, there's more Texas questions later uh, in this show. Uh, I just I have an absolute fucking middle finger up to most of Texas for multiple reasons. I just I would not move to Austin. Number three, what is the best winter Olympic sport and why is it curling? Oh, no, 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 no. I know. I know what Jude's going to say. We've had this question. before. We've had this conversation before, right? Yeah. Yeah. Biathlon by a large margin. Shooting guns. Um. But not just – I just want to – I want to be clear about this. It's not – to me, it's not just shooting guns. It's slowing down. You've just given a full maximum effort on a cross-country ski, uh, and now you've got to slow your heart rate down to keep your your gun steady enough that you can shoot at a target the size of what? A half dollar? A quarter? Yeah. yeah. It's the most realistic shooting event in shooting because those airsoft ones where they have like the BB guns or whatever – and the gun, like, it looks like a, I don't know, it doesn't, it doesn't even look like a real gun. And it's just sterile and stuff. But, like, that's an Olympic sport born out of, like, you know, Norwegians shooting at Nazis, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> that like, is kind of, right? It's just like, you know, I just. I will say the one thing that I think that they probably if they didn't steal from the X games, it, it feels very X games X. The one I really like is, um, snow cross too, where they all just go down on their boards at the same time. And then they like run the course together and they inevitably like wipe each other out. And, and it's a, a lot of great drama. It's really quick. <laughs> it's the exact opposite of biathlon is very, very quick. But, um, I, I, I literally looked this up the other day. Cause I was very, I was like, I said to my wife, I go, am I going to have to go get like sling or something just so I can watch MSNBC, CNBC, like all of like all of my Olympics coverage, because like, it's bad enough. I gave up my cable because now I don't get the Canadian channels that, that don't give a shit about prime time and they'll actually CBC? show things live. Oh. Yes. Um, but then I found out that Peacock is actually streaming everything and we still have Peacock and I'm like very excited about that. So the that, answer is that's where I'll be. The answer realistically is hockey because hockey, uh, Olympic hockey is the best because they play on the bigger ice, the bigger rink. Um, so there's more um, Olympic hockey. Yeah, there's there's more ability for them to make plays because um, uh, they're using more speed, more speed play than power, more speed than power, which makes it a, a, a more pure faster version game. of the game. Yeah. yeah. 
I, and the the women's is just funny because it's like two teams are really dominant and then you just wait for them to right. beat the hell out of everybody before they meet each other in the finals. So. Yeah, it's Pretty like much. women's soccer. Yeah, it's women's soccer yeah. is another or women's basketball. Uh, look, I love curling as much as the next guy. I mean, what's not to love about curling? It's it's fucking fantastic. Uh, and I've been on the curling train since the 98 games, at least. But. <clears throat> I mean, there's not going to, yeah, there's something about the winter Olympics, (laughs) not going to be a winter Olympics here. There's something about the winter Olympics that makes regular people like think no, like no problem. Cause it's like, I guess my answer here is like, I think the skeleton, cause it's just, you're going sledding. Basically, you're going sledding. Death speeds. Yeah. Yeah. Death sledding. Do you have the balls? To no. go down this thing, uh, to go Clark Griswold down this thing. And I th- I just think that's great. I mean, ski jumping, like, do you have the balls to go down this this thing and, and fly? I mean, it's just, it's regular people stuff. Yeah, it, I don't know, man. It's just, I, I, th- I think the Winter Olympic Games are far superior to the, to the Summer Games in, like, every sense. Um, but hockey, I think, is a great answer. Uh, for me, I think it, it would definitely pro- definitely be skeleton, but curling's up there. I, I mean, I love love curling, uh, but but yeah, it's it's that is an easy answer for everybody. Everyone's got their regular guy shit. Jude likes army lifestyle, <laughs> some Nordic uh, basic training, you know. Jude likes wars in the Balkans. Yeah, <laughs> I, but the I mean, bottom line, I will watch anything. I, I will you, flip around. I will watch. I will watch pretty much anything. Yes. I will. Yes. I will watch the round robin curling stuff at two o'clock in the morning. I used to when I had a when I had a TiVo. I used to tape the coverage and I let the, the the thing basically fill up every single day. And then I would just watch whatever I wanted to watch and fast forward through whatever I'd already seen. And just I took time off from work and I just sat there and consumed Winter Olympics. I love Winter Olympics. I'm very much big big Winter Olympics. Huge fan. fan. We should, we really, we really should figure something out. We got about a week. We really should figure out something for the winter Olympics in the site. I just, I don't know what <laughs> I get. Like, I, I can't set up a VR thing. Well, you just need to, the, the, the lowest thing for it would be to assign which players would compete the best at which a winter Olympic sport. And I think that okay. that's, that's probably it. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would just want, I want people to be, I, I, want, I, want, I want people to talk about the Olympics. Maybe I'll just set up an open thread every day that we can and people can discuss with the the comings and goings and the gifts. Uh, like J, JD Bertrand would be great for the skeleton. Oh <laughs> my god. Right? Because he's just like oh, no. the man's See, a I, missile. He goes one I direction. Feel like, <laughs> I feel like uh, Blake Griffin, the new the new graduate kicker would be perfect for the skeleton because he's uh he's five foot. 120 pounds? 148 pounds, yeah. I don't know. Like, like think of a good bobsled team. It's like Osita Equinu, Audric Estime. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, like, like guys, guys like that, like I, I guess anybody that looks like Herschel Walker, basically, you know, that, that just like, except they guy. also had, um, didn't they try like uh, somebody fast too, like a Willie Gall or somebody, or am I just misremembering that? Put Chris they try to there. get, I think yeah. Willie Gall, that name does ring a bell. The old bear wide receiver. Yeah, uh, but 
I might be misremembering. But anyways, yeah, uh, I, I'm with you. Uh, hey, the Jamaican bobsled team's back for the first time in, uh, in a few Olympics. Yeah, man. Oh. Yeah, so get excited about that. All right, next question here from uh, Elenzer. Football weather. We all know football weather is the best weather, but what is football weather? Is it 70 degrees and a sunset? Is it a snow game at Notre Dame Stadium? Is it 50 degrees for the USC game? What's all of your ideal football weather and what game is most closely associated with it? It's the USC game at home or whoever the California team that's coming at home at the beginning of October, right? It's that it's that sixth game of the year where the temperatures are during the day in the mid fifties at night. It could get maybe with, into with the USC. 40s. It's always with USC. I, and I, I think we may maybe mentioned it this year with USC. It's always yeah, with, great weather. It's always 60 degrees and sunny during the day. Yeah. That's no, it's always, in the, it's always in the mid fifties, except for 2017 when it was in the seventies. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, and, and I mean, then at I, night, at night it dips down. Yeah. Well, yeah, it might get into the forties. Since 2011 at home, they've been playing at night. So that's why you're getting this, the, the, um, the cooler right. temperatures. This well, year was cold, is, right? Cause they asked the USC guy, uh, they told him the temperature and he was like, oh, what? <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. His eyes got there with, uh, with a hat and gloves on and yeah, like a light jacket. So, but it was a gorgeous day though. Right. Like, Oh yeah. Beautiful. USC day, Notre Dame. It's not like going out to, to LA for the last game of the season where it's just rain weather. Notre Dame SC in South Bend is generally, I would say if you go back, back through the history has all has been a, a really nice day give or take 10 different degrees or whatever. You know what I mean? Um, sure. It's it's a nice, it's a good day to tailgate all that. And that, I guess I just want to say that's football weather. Like anyone that says rain, like, Oh, the, in the rain and this and mud and blah, that's oh, football. Fuck you. No, it's not. That's not even, fo- they're not even playing football at that hey, point. You know what that is? That's, I just tore both my groins and yeah. still have to play weather. And that's bullshit. Uh, that sucks. I don't it, mind the heat. Like if it if it's if it stays under like ninety degrees, I don't mind that. Uh, Florida Florida State this year might have been a little yeah, little toasty. Yeah, a little toasty, a little toasty. But you could get you can, you can get around the heat. I think a little a little bit. I think that's you just all of a sudden you when you're in the game it just it just doesn't matter. Um, humidity does suck though. That's when you'll start puking and cramping. Um, snow games are fun for fans. Not, I, not so much for players no. at all. I, I mean, mean like, po- but you won't find anybody admit that like snow, snow games are great. To, they're great fun to watch. And they're probably my most, the, the games I'd like to go to the most. Let's car hard it up and go watch a, a snow game. But as a player, <laughs> that is your, your footing's terrible. Uh, you know, it just says just banging up your knuckles, get, getting those monkey bumps on your on your on your freaking elbows suck. I would just say clear weather, clear sky weather from 40 degrees through 65 is probably the most ideal temperature. Now, that's 25 degrees difference there, but it's all very pleasant and manageable. 
and and that's the thing too. Like, I like the aesthetic of seeing a game at Lambeau Field. Um, sorry, Josh, but when it's like, yes, uh, we, I thought we were going to bring that up. It's super cold, and you can see the players' breath. Right, you see the two linemen squaring off, and they're breathing heavy on each other, and their breaths. But like, that's not. It's not really football at that point when it's that cold, because like. And and I kind of feel bad for Green Bay and especially like Aaron Rodgers and even Brett Favre to an extent because you have these prolific pass games and dynamic quarterbacks. <laughs> and at the most important time of the year, it's like, all right, well, it's too cold to really throw the ball a whole lot. So we're going right. to kind of hamstring what we want to do here. Um, so t- like if you were a team built around like, grounded pound, uh, sort of like Wisconsin or something. And, uh, but like, I, I don't know. I, I, it's just not football at that point. It, it's more like 1920s football when it's that cold. Yeah. Yeah. I think, so I think we're in pretty close agreement about what football weather is and isn't it's, it's just like you, you want it to be, I mean, as a player, I know I, I, I just wanted to be out there and the weather not affect me. Um, in, in any shape or form, you know, or form, I think between like 40 and 65 is like perfection for fans. Maybe it's a little different. You want the weather to affect things, right? Maybe not like 2016 NC state hurricane effect. Uh, but yeah, I think we can all agree. Like rain games are bullshit. Well, playing in them, watching them rain games suck, suck ass. Yeah. Uh, okay. Next one here, <laughs> and he, he confused everybody here. Uh, it was just straight up Pine Gang. It didn't even put a question mark, but but someone else did. So Jude Pine Gang, are you Jude? Are you are you Team Pine Gang? Old old Peaky Pine. <laughs> I mean, I know where your head's at, Josh. I am. Yeah, I am not team pine. Nope. I like him. Yeah. Personally. But I mean, if we're just talking about quarterback play for 2022, getting the most out of that position. No. I'm I'm of the opinion where um, if Tyler Buckner, Tyler Buckner is the best recruiter for Notre Dame uh, prospective quarterbacks. Uh, for 2024 and 2025. Uh, and he needs to be, he needs to be legit and he needs to be the real deal. And he needs to be able to beat out Drew Pine and right. win the starting job. And if he doesn't beat out Drew Pine to win the starting job, I'm sure Drew Pine can go out there and win 10 games next year. I think Drew Pine could win 10 games next year. Mm, um, I don't know about next year. Not nine, 10 games. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how good um, nine games. How, I, I, yeah, I'll, get, I'll give nine could, games. I think he could win 10 games. I don't think that he's winning more than 10 games. Okay. Um, but I, I think. Jude, if he, that, yeah. Yeah. I was like, Jude, now that you, you, oh God, now he's left. Something's going to must be wrong with Jude's uh, uh, reception there. Uh, <laughs> so maybe we'll revisit that uh, another time. Um, all right. Uh, so. Next one here. Um, and I think this one's, I, I, I guess a great question, 
but I take issue with it that it's even asked. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, this no, is makes what makes sense. what makes Kyron Williams good. I'm aware that I'm maybe alone in this opinion, but I do not understand why the entire fan base hails an individual with mediocre stats as one of the greatest running backs to walk in the door. I will admit he is a good pass blocker, but that does not warrant the constant praise he is given as a rusher. Not only that, but the fumbling problem, which almost lost the Toledo game, seems to be ignored. I have tried to look for anything to justify it, but nothing, but nothing, not EPA, yards per play, EPA play, etc. tells me a different story. Tell me why I'm wrong and hope it's not some boomer RTDB justification like intangibles. Uh, well, I, I think the thing that makes Kyron Williams so good is twofold. He is a fantastic motivator. I mean, if he's on the sideline in the Oklahoma State game, I'm on record That's saying That's an intangible. That he's, he, he's, he's not intangible. Um, he also has – he's extremely clutch. Um, Clemson, 2000 – I mean, what's the biggest – Jeremiah Wusakoromoa, but also like – does Notre Dame beat Clemson in the uh, uh, the – 2020 game in the first go if Kyron doesn't house house it on the first. No, no, they don't No, um, North Carolina this year. How clutch was his 91 yard touchdown run? And it's not even just the fact that it's clutch. It's like, go back and watch that. Watch what he did in that run. And that tells you that gives you pretty much the answer of why he was great. I mean, uh, this, this question was my chosen axiom here. It, he, <laughs> we're talking about the greatest running backs in Notre Dame history, and he's he's calling Kyron Williams' uh, two thousand yard rushing years uh, mediocre. Well, which running backs do you think are the greatest in Notre Dame history? Like, and if you're just going off of like Vegas Ferguson stats or Audrey Denson stats, then I don't know what to tell you. Like, I they just they're not they were not better than Kyron Williams. And I like I mean. It, you know, Ferguson's before my time, so I'm not going to I'm not going back uh, probably pre-1990. But even like you, you pull up Jerome Bettis, right? Look at his stats at Notre Dame. It's not like they're like mind boggling. They're not like Wisconsin running back. Yeah, light, light load. And, and, that's like Notre, a, Dame, and Notre Dame just did not have did not have that for many, many years. Like you, you could have these great running backs on this team, but they used a lot of them and the wealth was spread out. And I just don't see how Kyron Williams what was it 1,200 yards in 2020. How that's anywhere close to being mediocre, considering what they went through, less games, and you know how he did it. I was just like, what's mediocre about that? There's there was nothing mediocre about Kyron Williams, other than 2019 when he dropped a ball and then sat <laughs> for the rest of the season, which probably was the best thing that ever happened to him. But watch Kyron Williams. It's his vision. Like Logan Diggs tried in the bowl game. He tried to to go out there and Kyron Williams it, and he couldn't. Like Kyron, Kyron knew when to be patient and when to just blast a hole. He was a very good short yardage runner. I mean, I I'm not diving into advanced stats because I have both middle fingers up for his advanced stats uh, as a personal thing. Just watching a player play, Kyron Williams was a gr- great running back at her name. Just watch him play football. I don't, I, 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 I could see if you have another name or two you want to throw up there, but to say that he was mediocre is just, 
insane if, to me. If he's mediocre, who in the last 20 years was it? Who was better in the last 20 years? <laughs> Darius Walker. Darius Walker is maybe the only guy you could sort of. And Darius Walker couldn't break a 20 yard run. No, Darius Walker got volume. I mean, Kyron. Kyron still was like, you know, mid or uh, high teens for most of his rush attempts. He had a couple. He only had two games where he uh, ran the ball more than 20 times this year. Right. Right. And then last year he had he had four. Uh, where you ran the ball more than 20 times, but it's mostly it's mostly rush attempts in in the teens. And do yourself like, a, everyone should do themselves a favor and go back and look at Derrick Henry's stats from his final year at Alabama. Yeah, yeah, it's it's they're like mind boggling in like a fun way of just like the, they just handed him the ball 40 times a game. He had four. He, he had 395 he, carries. My God, he had he had two games in which he rushed the ball more than forty times. He he ran the ball forty six in the Iron Bowl and then forty four <laughs> in the SEC title game against Florida. Like yeah, it's <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, but Jude, I hope you're back on the on the podcast. You got anything to say? I'm here. Sorry. Uh, did you did you hear the question? No, I didn't hear the question. I'm sorry. Basically, the question was, was that explain to him, explain to this guy. He's asking for someone to explain to him why Kyron Williams is a good running back. He says he, he, he's got mediocre stats. There's nothing that says that he's great. Uh, you know, he could pass block, but he's not. Uh, why, why, why do Notre Dame fans think that he's one of the greatest that's ever come uh, through South Bend? He says, don't use the tangibles. Don't use the tangibles. I don't think that I don't think I really need to to make that case. Look, I think the NFL draft is going to make that case for us. Right. And so we'll see. I think that he's going to be valued. I think that, um, you know, there's there's things that you guys have already identified that uh, scouts or GMs are going to love about him. And um, I'm not just talking about intangibles. I'm talking about play on the field. So. He can catch the ball too. I know. I um, I think I think he's I think he's the real deal. So, I mean, just look at the Notre Dame's running backs over the last thirty years, and start naming off some names, and then compare their stats to if you talk about stats that are mediocre. Well, they're they're not mediocre compared to you know Kyron's stats aren't mediocre compared to those guys. Like anybody else, you want to pop up? I just I I don't get it. Like no, he's not. Adrian Peterson. He's not. Well, at first I thought that the question was asking about comparing him to other running backs in college football. And, and that's a whole different thing, but comparing him to other running backs who played for Notre Dame. I mean, I feel like he, he fares a lot better in that comparison than he would against the national. Yes. Al- yeah. yeah Alabama absolutely. running backs or something. So. Uh, yeah. Autry Denson's other than Autry Denson's uh, sophomore year. I mean, I, I can't really just – that's sort of the one that's more – Josh Adams, 2017, how does that look? It looks pretty good. looks pretty uh, good if you're just running a straight – I mean – If there's I, a giant get, hole. You could just make a – you could just go back and watch the 2017 film and, you know, how many runs of Josh Adams were because of Josh Adams? Like, I get his speed got him there, but, like, when you got a hole the size of – 
Rhode Island uh, to, to literally run through and you're already 15 yards downfield with a head of steam. It's not that hard. And he and didn't, that's it, what, and that's what Josh, happened. Cause anytime Josh Williams had to like, had to come out of a short yardage situation, he got jumbled up and, and took down. It was just, it was. That's why he only had nine touchdowns. He only had nine touchdowns in that 2000. Right. He, Josh Adams didn't score a touchdown in the month of uh, November. And they played five games. Then they didn't play in the bowl game. He didn't score a touchdown in the bowl game either. I, I mean, he, he, was, he didn't play. I don't think he played in two of those games in November, though, did he? No, he did. Yeah, I mean, he, he played Wake Forest, Miami, Navy, Stanford, LSU. Uh, he had carries in all those games and didn't score a touchdown. There's one game he got pulled in like the first quarter because he was yeah doing well. Wake Forest, yeah, he, I mean, Wake he, Forest. he was banged up. He was pretty yeah, Wake, banged up. Wake Forest, and he was he was hobbled from Wake Forest. But on. I mean, if if, jo- if Josh Adams is your baseline, I'm like, Kyron Williams is, and like, I'm not I don't want to I'm not trying to knock Josh Adams. I'm just trying to state the obvious, like that line that was incredible. But if you're using Josh Adams's stats, <clears throat> Kyron Williams is way up. <laughs> Excuse me, way above board on that one. And He's just got tw- watching twenty-seven touchdowns in two years. That's pretty good. Yeah, and uh, it's with, just like- with four receiving tossed in. He's, so thirty-one touchdowns. He who had got, Darius. Who asked this he question? had Darius. Uh, cho- chosen axiom asked this question. All right, because so I want to thank Austin for helping me with all my Excel needs when Brendan wasn't available, and I'm. I th- thank you for the question. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, okay. Here's another one. Uh, here's one from Trey, the God Becca. Uh, <laughs> it was long rumored that Notre Dame allowed their grass to grow extra long to slow down their faster opponents and equalize the matchups. But that advantage is now gone with the installation of turf in the stadium. But if you could rip up the turf and replace it with any other substance, what would you use as the playing surface inside ND Stadium? Doritos, yogurt, hot coals. What do you got? Any other surface? Hmm. My broomball team was surprisingly good with sneakers on. Those little rubber pellets that they put down on playgrounds. It'd be kind of fun to watch like a Nickelodeon type like foam pit sort of deal <laughs> watch guys trying to tackle other dudes i don't know how you would declare somebody down though mm. that pick goes on forever yeah i didn't give this one much thought and i'm trying to like process it like do we just make it a beach like sand, turn yeah. a little seven on sand sand football. See whatever you do, whatever you do to your opponent, you do to yourself though. That's, that's right. Yeah. But like, but that's but that's why you had the long grass. Correct. It's an equalizer. Like if you take someone's, I don't think that just, was a rumor at all. I think Charlie Weiss talked openly about the fact that they oh, grew that very, grass yeah, long. Yeah, 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 it was very open about it. And if he wasn't open about it, they would call him a liar because uh, grass was hitting guys in the bottom of the knee. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think the grass tackled Armando Allen at least twice. Oh, God. Uh, as well as a, uh, a two-mile sideline hour. monster. Yeah. I mean, I just, I don't know. Like, I, I think sand is a good option. Just if you're like, all right, we can't get speed anymore, but we can get brutes and just brute your way down to like some 13 
uh, three wins. That sounds fun. Uh, it, I mean, it really doesn't, but I mean, I, I mean, I do you want to say like asphalt? Like who really wants oh, no. to have, <laughs> no. like Con- concrete would be worse. Like, I think. Con- well, so you mean bring in uh, old veteran stadium, Philadelphia, yeah, yeah, the right. old Metro, the old Metro dome. Yeah. God. Uh, I don't know. Like, um, Hmm. Let's just uh, hire out whoever does the, whoever manages the, the grass out in Palo Alto, get that guy to come in. Uh, <sighs> I mean, literally making a cow pasture with cows out there during the game. Let's do it. Let's get it done. <sighs> I, uh, I do remember, um, when I was a kid, they, uh, the, my my local high school won the state equestrian championship, and at homecoming of the football game, they brought the the state champion equestrian team out at halftime uh, with their horses, and their horses shit all over the football field at <laughs> halftime. <laughs> <laughs> and like you can clean up the horse shit, right? But like some of them walked in it and it like caked into the grass, and I'll I'll never forget. They're coming oh. back out to a shit-stained football field. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah, I think you know what? I think that'd be good for Notre Dame. Like, do like a a farm field. So, like the goal lines, like from the three-yard line to the goal line, is just straight rows of corn. It's like, mm. and if if you ever ran through a cornfield, you know you get tore the fuck up pretty good. Yeah, go through corn. So have maybe like the five, like the last five yards before the end zone is, is corn and the end zones are a uh, retaining pond. Have some cows out there. Uh, maybe, maybe a dog. Uh, definitely, uh, you know, it's just some random ass chickens and go play some football. Anyways, moving on. I like that question. <clears throat> okay, if you could ins- this and these are going to be coming from Santa Cuz 92. If any of you could install another fan experience slash hostile environment addition to Notre Dame Stadium, what would it be? And I'll say right off the jump, Notre Dame is already trying to do that with Georgia right now. They've been the doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And which is fine, which is great. Uh but is there anything else like there's college football is full of just great home crowd environments. Um, not, all, not all of them are like a completely hostile, but there's some great home uh, environments. Is there anything Jude that you can think of? I mean, it's, is this is like fantasy world. Yeah, man. Yeah. Fantasy world. Okay. Um, yeah. Get rid of all the people that don't want to stand for games. Oh, no, that's, there it is. Ship in a bunch of LSU or, uh, you know, Auburn football fans for the game to root for their name. <laughs> I wouldn't mind uh, a hit. If give me the old Miss tailgate scene or like the LSU ooh, yeah. tailgate scene where. So, uh, all miss for all miss for the people and LSU for the food for the food. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would, I want you to go ahead and throw a, a children's hospital right next to the stadium <laughs> do that do that iowa wave i listen 
I will shit all over Iowa football, but honestly, like the newest tradition of the of the third quarter wave to this day, I mean, I tear up about every time. I think that's like the coolest and greatest thing. So maybe, I, would, I would do that. Maybe get uh, implement more games in sterile NFL stadiums. I think that that would be a good environment to bring in. There. Are you? Are you fucking? Are you Ooh. Satan? What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> more, more like the Shamrock series in uh, Soldier Field. I, I so, need more of that. So I, I got a confession to make. I got a confession to make. So last night around 3 a.m., I'm just I'm doing some random thoughts in my head and and was thinking about this past season. And I was like, you know, I want to want to watch a, a condensed version or a high, or a 15 minute highlight film of of a game from last year just for the hell of it. And I'm like, I was trying to think of one to fun to watch. And I'm like, oh, the Wisconsin game, Gus Johnson. That'll be a fun 15 minutes to, to watch real quick. And as I'm watching that, and I am wrapped up in my Gus Johnson love blanket uh, while it's going on, but it was just like, that was a really cool environment. Like re- rewatching that one more time. And I shit all over it. And, Keep in mind, I still think it was a huge fucking mistake not to have the game at Camp Randall at Notre Dame Stadium. But that doesn't mean that it wasn't a cool environment. It was a bowl-like, a big bowl game-like atmosphere um, at a, a terrible NFL stadium that day. Uh, that that was pretty cool. That 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 was that was cooler than I would have gave it credit for before or right after. But looking back, that was all right. Now, again, I would have rather have been at Camp Randall or Notre Dame Stadium, but it was okay. It was good. It was better than, you know, playing fucking Washington State in the Alamo Dome, you know? (laughs) Right. Syracuse at Yankee Stadium. Yeah, yeah. So, um, let's see here. Top five mac and cheese toppings. Jesus, five of them? Five, yeah. <sighs> yeah. All right. Uh, pulled pork is one, right? That's a topping. Yeah, that's a topping. A lot of people do. Hell yeah. Topping. Pulled pork. Uh, Breadcrumbs. Yeah. yeah. So, panko, any kind of crumb. Panko breadcrumbs. Panko that, and, yeah, with yeah. some butter and paprika. Right. Up. So that's that's two. Obey. Uh, Obey, yes. God, yes. Uh, lobster. Lobster. Yeah, sure. Lobster mac. Yeah. That's four. Here we go. What's a fifth? Uh, I would. Fla- Truffles and gold flakes. I, I'm <laughs> a big fan. So there's two that I think are, are, is essential for me. One is uh, rendered pancetta. Uh, it's better than bacon. Um, yeah. Yeah. So give me give me the pancetta. But I also love to put it on my mac and cheese besides like hot sauce, which doesn't count. But uh, green onions, that inclusion of green onions on top of some mac and cheese, uh, it is delightful. I have a very good mac and cheese recipe, and uh, green onions is a staple to it. Quick interjection. I'm I'm watching the Notre Dame basketball game right now. Did my eyes deceive me, or is the leprechaun in the basketball games gone sleeveless this year? Is he rocking the gun show? Because that might be the greatest thing I've ever seen. Or was that a student? I don't know. Anyways. Okay. Uh, 
Next one, side note. Thank you for pointing out on a previous podcast that Texas thinks their shit don't stink with their Tex-Mex food. Mexican and Puerto Rican cuisine are two of the hidden gems of Chicago that no one ever thinks about. Well, you're welcome. Because I think the whole fucking... I've, I've already laid this out. I think the whole basis of how, what people think is authentic and what isn't authentic in this country is A, laughable, uh, and B, just completely wrong because the country isn't... It's, it's not 1883 anymore. Sam Elliott is not out there in the wild uh, to get people to Oregon. It's people that authentic dishes are all over the country because of authentic people, period, period. No, just, once you like, live if in if Texas, you're in Texas, if you're in Texas, you have a, you just have more of it. That's all. That's all. Once you live in Texas, you're not allowed to leave and your recipes can never follow you. And you can only get the ingredients for your food if you're in Texas. They don't sell those ingredients anywhere else in the country. Salt is so much different in Texas than it is in Massachusetts. Like, if you want to get into this debate, and we can talk about the green chilies of, you know, the Southwest not being Texas. Like, if, if we want to get into some New Mexico, Arizona uh, discussion where they have chilies that you can't get anywhere else. Sure. But if we're talking about Tex-Mex food, I guarantee you, like I made enchiladas tonight and it was with my, I made my own enchilada sauce. I made my own enchiladas. Um, why is my enchilada any less good than an enchilada that would be made simply because it's from someone in Texas? I don't get it. I don't understand that. I don't understand it at all. It's my a false statement because you're, because yours came out of the Chi Cheese recipe book. Well, they had it had green olives for sure. <laughs> like um, my enchiladas so, were delicious. Here's what I will say: there are some places though where it does make a difference, right? Like I'm thinking of like New York bagels. Everyone says like the water well, in New York yeah, is different. Yeah, the, although, although the guy that the I just saw it on Food Network, the guy that. Uh, Oh, I can't remember the name of the bagel shop there. It's the 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 one that they always say is the best one. He was adamant that people can go fuck themselves about the, making the water and making it so good because he says it's just the way that he does it makes it that way. Yeah, I've watched so, enough. I, I, yeah. I've watched is that because so I know the trade market. I'm not, I can't remember, but. I watched yes. so much diners, drive-ins, and dives. Um, I've seen every episode of it. <laughs> every Friday night, it is on my television set as I fall asleep. And I watch Guy Fieri go all around this great country of ours. And he will end up in these small cities and find these gems of restaurants. And you're telling me, like, there can be a fantastic Mexican or Tex-Mex restaurant in, you know, central Ohio. It happens. I've seen Guy Fieri go there, to these places. Right now. They're there. It's just, you know, they're not on they're every street corner. They're not even restaurants point. sometimes. Sometimes it's just a fucking gas station. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I listen, the best tamales in my life, they're at a gas station. Period. They're just incredible. And, you know, I, there, there's a small place here in Hicksville, Ohio, for God's sakes. And great, great food. And she barely speaks a word of English. Tell me that's not authentic. I, I don't. I I don't care about where you're from. I don't care about where you're from. I just care if the food's good. And I don't even care if it's authentic. 
Ugh, it's so ridiculous. Like seafood is the one that's the thing. One. But because freshness matters. Freshness matters. Freshness makes a huge difference. And even then, like Fort Wayne, I shit you not, Fort Wayne, Indiana has some great seafood restaurants. And if we go out to eat anywhere, and so you go along the coastlines and all that and eat, Fort Wayne's seafood restaurants actually stack up pretty well with some great places up and down the East Coast. I'm just, but there is a difference like that, that freshness, that half a day difference of shipping is just incredible. Uh, That makes the difference. Like proximity to, to the food source for seafood is much different than the cow. Cause shit, there's farm to fork places all over the country. Yeah. Like I I go to Roanoke, Indiana right now. And to a farm and fork place um, called Joseph DeQui, and you'll get one of the best steaks in the country. They grow their own, they got their own uh, YU cows. I mean, so piss off. Yeah, I could rant and rave about this. I nothing makes me matter than, than anyone saying that's why well, you picked Columbus that, over Austin. Yeah, you gotta get what you need to get, man. There's a great Euro shop in Columbus. Oh my God, the best Euros uh, are down, are in Columbus. Uh, anyways, uh, and you can go to uh, White Castle in Columbus on Valentine's Day and get uh, uh, dining service like tablecloth, paper napkins or uh, cloth napkins, uh, fine silver, the whole nine at a White Castle in Columbus. Mm, it's on point. <laughs> uh, let's see. Moving down. People bitching about Tex-Mex. Oh, number one. Number one jersey. Uh, let's say the number one jersey comes back next season. This is from Demata 30, 3105. Who are you giving it to? Who gets the number one jersey next year? Oh, this is easy. Is it? Yeah. Give it to Blake Fisher, man. Big man in a number one. <laughs> can't, can't wear one in the offensive line. <laughs> There's still if, some rules. There are still some rules. This is a nod. Um, yeah. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. Uh, well, if I can't give it to Blake Fisher, then I'm giving uh, it to uh, Audrey Estime. I actually think Estime goes and grabs two in the spring. He was two in high school. Single digits is good for him. Yeah. And I think I think the two is open for him to take. So anyways. Number one, Jalen Sneed. I get on board with that too. I can get on board with that one. Yeah. I mean, you could do offense and defense. Like it, there's well, I just like Lorenzo Styles was the first one to open to mind for me, but I don't want to go the Michigan route. The wide receiver at one, Avery Davis. You know what? I Avery Davis deserves it, but I mean. What's more important in Notre Dame, though, the number three or the number one? You know, I feel like the three's kind of lost its luster. I don't really I think do that so. people. I don't think people really talk about the three anymore. I do, I do too, but I think that I think Avery Davis could go a long ways this year of bringing that back in a sense. I mean, three is more re, more intertwined with quarterback play. Um, right. Darius Walker obviously had a had a great career for himself in Notre Dame with number three. Um, 
Yeah, I think Jalen Sneed. Go ahead and give it to him. Start his career off right. It can be I mean, Isaiah, uh, Isaiah Foskey could rock it too. He could. Just he can put that one on there for the one star that he lost recently. I know it's, it was a weird ending to the recruiting rankings. I've been, I've been, maybe I'll do that tomorrow morning. I'll uh, kind of do a final roundup of the final rankings. Uh, Emil Wagner's a five star now, by the way. Uh, so I think, you know, you, you count a guy as a five star just as long as somebody has him as one in, in one way. So the great thing about the on about on three coming aboard is there's just like there's an, another service to like get that. So Emil Wagner gets a five star. He's not a five star anywhere else, but he's a five star consensus, I think, on on three. So that counts. That totally counts. Uh, I am shit. so happy for him. <laughs> Hashtag Ohio forever, baby. Woo. Uh, chips. It seems that one of the podcasters was enjoying some chips during the last podcast. What were they? And would you recommend them to us listeners? This is from Charlie. Oh, Bills. It was Jude. It was me. It was Jude. It was definitely Jude. Cause it was loud and proud. So sorry. I thought I was on mute. Thought I was on mute. Um, well, my, my son is a big Frito scoops person. So I was probably snacking on those. Um, but what I really should be eating are the veggie straws. So, which are I like. which are just Pringles reconstituted into <laughs> and straw <laughs> straw form. Yeah, you know what a great yeah. snack is, and you you only buy them when you have toddlers. Is the puffs? Yeah, my oh, kids, the puff. Oh the yeah, Gerber like, puffs. Yeah, and the pirate nah, booty but, and stuff like that. I love yeah, my that. son loves pirate booty. Yeah, pirate booty's great. Uh, but they they came in a can, like a, like a yeah, like almost like a for, like a formula size can. It's a plastic, like, almost Pringleish can. I know exactly what the the puffs you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, uh, not not the little star, not the like the cereal looking ones. They came in the funny bottle, but like the oh, ones maybe incredible. I don't know what you're talking about. I'll uh, I'll take a picture of my pantry and, and show you the various flavors. <laughs> That's so funny. Those are great. I mean, I mean, I bet. I mean, between me and my wife, we just. We crush those, and it's like shit. Uh, these are for the kids. They're good. I'm sorry about that, guys. I I'm usually pretty good with the mute when I'm eating, and I do eat a lot during these podcasts. But um, that's all right. If, if there was any complaints from the last podcast, it should have been about me and the fact that I think I've dropped like 70 f bombs in a matter <laughs> of four minutes. Maybe I was just like, this this isn't good. This was this was not great. Uh, so <laughs> probably not my best, uh, my best episode. Uh, another one here from Charlie bills, fast forward to 2023 and he just won the 2022 national championship. Hell yes. Hell yes, baby. Uh, number one, out of the many changes that have occurred this off season, what was the biggest change on the field that allowed ND to finally win the big one? So, yeah. Um, Five-star quarterback that yep. signed. Well, Tyler Buckner is that guy. So if they win the 2022 national championship, the only way you're doing that is is if Buckner had a Burrow-esque season, right? I would say if he had like a um, C.J. Stroud, Justin like, Fields, Justin Fields, where 
he's just a dynamic playmaker just right off the right off right out of the gate. Because if you beat Ohio State, then the world's your oyster. Yeah, the biggest change is that Tyler Buckner completed third down passes. <laughs> yeah, I, I did it for you, June. I can't believe you Thank passed you. up on that. Thank you. God. You're slipping, man. Uh, so, okay. So th- th- that all ties into to Buckner, basically. Uh, then number two, this is where it gets tricky, gentlemen. Give a 30-second synopsis of each game, including including playoffs and the national championship game. I thought about this one, um, and I have an answer for Ohio State. All right, go. So let's let's do this. Not each guy gets their own game, but yeah, but each guy gets a, gets a game here as we move on. We all don't get a crack at it. Just just go. So Ohio State, Brendan, how does Notre Dame win that game? Uh. Pit 2005. That's interesting. I see it. Probably accurate. Yep. Uh, right. Jude, what, ha- what happens in the Marshall game? Uh, absolute blowout. Typical uh, Mac fair. Okay. Uh, next up is Cal, and I believe that is going to be uh, where we all learn how to pronounce the last name of Grupa. Because somehow it's just going to be some stupid game. That's too close uh, for our own good. Trip North to, Carolina. Uh, yeah, trip to Chapel Hill. Um, <laughs> Notre, Dame, Notre Dame has 150 sacks. <laughs> right? I mean, whoever's playing quarterback for North Carolina uh, is running for his life behind their porous offensive line. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jude, B- BYU in Vegas. I uh, thank God this game's not played in Provo. They're not even coming with a week's rest. Vegas, baby. Uh, let's, you know, I'm feeling good. How, how, how blow out or, or just a, a tough, tough Mormon Catholic battle. Um, I, I feel like a little, it's a little shooty, a little shootout. Okay. Like the point shoot, shootout. Okay. Uh, I can get behind that a little bit. Um, Stanford coming back to Notre Dame. Uh, just a, a drubbing of epic proportions, a drubbing. Uh, you know, we're talking, you know, 250 yards on the ground, 400 yards passing, just absolutely fucking annihilating uh, the Cardinal. Uh, UNLV, Brendan. They roll the footballs out. <laughs> the two and 10 uh, UNLV uh, Rebels just, I mean, they just, the ball's kicked off. Notre Dame wins. Uh, this is the game my wife's pissed about because this is the game I'm going to take everybody, wife, kids, uh, and do that whole thing. And she's so mad that it's UNLV and not Clemson. Don't she's promise. Like, what is it? She goes, what is, what is an unlove? What the hell is that? Do she's not promise all of your – do not promise any of your children that they'll see a lot of touchdowns. Please, for the love of God, make no promises. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that, please. I, I learned my lesson against Ball State, <laughs> but yeah, that that seems to be the uh, the family one. So yeah, there'll be a lot of touchdowns. Jude, Syracuse in the in the Carrier Dome. Welcome back, boys. Great to have you. My son's Team of the tenth, crime. Tenth tenth birthday. Uh, happy birthday to him with a satisfying victory. 
huge pull-off by the Notre Dame Club of Central New York, of which I am co-president. And uh, just an all-around great day and extinguish some of those ghosts of 2003. Y'all are invited. <laughs> Bringing Clemson back uh, to the South Bend once again for a November matchup. Brendan? Uh, it's going to probably be at night. It's going to be cold. Um, I just think that this one, if Notre Dame is going to win, it's not going to be a pretty game. I think it's going to be a defense. The last one ended up as, I mean, the last one was kind of a defensive shootout too. Overtime sort of skewed everything out. But I think that this is going to be one where Notre Dame is going to need to lean on their defense and it's going to be a, a low scoring game that Notre Dame pulls off. Uh, and apparently Navy's still on the schedule. So mm. <laughs> whatever. Moving on. Shoot, <laughs> BC in South Bend. Three welcome quarters back. of jerk. Welcome, welcome back, Phil Jerkovic, for Senior Day. Um, funny enough, he'll be he'll be uh, not hugging his mom, but uh, hugging the hugging the grass as the Notre Dame takes care of business. No Senior Day letdown against BC. Doesn't happen anymore. Nope. It's a myth. We're definitely not losing to that guy. <laughs> Uh, USC out in LA. Jude is scared to death of skill I'm players. Scared to death of this game. I do not care about uh, about their skill players because they have no line, offensively or defensively. Uh, Notre Dame pretty much. Uh, this is pretty much every Notre Dame USC game. Notre Dame wins out there. It's du- It's stupidly close for no reason. Yeah. Other than the fact that our boys are tired and. Notre Dame gets out of uh, LA with like a, like a 27, 24, um, win that was never really too much in doubt, but you know, whatever. Uh, so now we go, we're moving on. Notre Dame is number one in the country, (laughs) right? I would, if you go through Ohio state and Clemson and probably at that point, uh, uh, what nine and two, 10 and one. USC, if you look at their schedule, they're probably going to be nine and two, 10 and one. All right. So Notre Dame is number one in the country. Uh, who, who's the four seed Brendan and who are they playing? Uh, they are playing the, uh, four seed, which is, um, the, uh, so you, it's going to be an SEC team. So they're going to be playing, uh, probably Georgia as the four seed as Alabama uh, wins the SEC uh, finishes second in Georgia's four and they play against Stetson Bennett, the fourth and um, Tyler Buckner is too dynamic for them. And all of Notre Dame's receivers aren't injured going into the game. Fantastic. So now, now we're heading to the national championship. Jude, who's Notre Dame playing in the national championship? Where's the national championship game going to be played next year? Do you know? Mm, I do not know. It would not surprise um, me if it's not LA. Oh, SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, California. There you go. Okay. So, oh, that's a that's a cool spot. We are playing. Um. Damn it. We're playing Alabama again. What the yeah. Hell? Why would you pick anybody else? <laughs> why? Why? How's Notre Dame beat uh, Alabama next year? Um, 
Well, Alabama has a uh, huge controversy in which uh, their players are caught um, uh, with uh, illegal banned substances. Dear Antler Spray, got it. And, and the d- entire defensive line is missing. Um, is Will Anderson in this game? <laughs> no, everyone's missing. Oh, what about <laughs> Bryce Young is hurt. Uh, um, uh, yeah. Uh, so, so you're going with the Georgia, you're going with the Georgia model, huh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think, I think y'all, you just had to say Notre Dame beats Alabama the Georgia way. And that's, uh, with Chase Ketterer and as Notre Dame's quarterback, I'd even allow Ron Paulus the third. Ron uh, Paulus the third would be the Cole Capen would, would back for a seventh answer. season. Yeah. So. That's 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 how you see this one going. All right, yay! Notre Dame's uh, fourteen and zero national champion. Wait a minute, that's Gummy's music. Then you see uh, Gummy <laughs> come on. Except he's a he's a GA for or something for uh, Georgia now, right? Yeah, yeah, he's in Georgia. Yeah, hey, he's got some championship break. Offensive control, quality control analyst, or some certain nonsense. Yeah. I don't remember. All right. Fellas, you win the five hundred million dollars in the Powerball. Oh my you god! You found the ticket at it. Listen, you found the ticket at an ND game. So to appease the karma gods, you decide to spend one hundred million to make ND a championship caliber team. How do you spend it? Hmm. You got a hundred million dollars. A hundred million. I install a lazy river. <laughs> in the south bend yeah i got a hundred million dollars jude this river is gonna be i'm going to like ship you're in gonna, a, you're gonna dome it i'm gonna so, dig far enough down that i reach the hot liquid magma beneath the earth's crust <laughs> and create my own hot spring i got a hundred million dollars jude the world's my oyster listen the most basic answer here is is like you spend $25 million on your recruiting class and then you take the other 75 and you put it into a recruiting slush fund slash transfer slush fund. And you're just, as that's building, you know, making its own money, you know, whether, you know, however it's being invested and building up, uh, you're just, you're, so you constantly got a, a backload of cash to go out and buy yourself a championship every year. Right. I probably spend 50 million of those dollars to um, set up all kinds of like, you know, some, some Marty bird style, uh, you know, backwater channels to make more money. And then I spend all of that money that I make off of my uh, money, get rich quick schemes to like destroy Alabama's program. Right. I, I hire hookers um, to be caught sleeping with football players before the national championship game that Notre Dame plays against them. And the players like, I have no idea what's going on here. And it's me who bought them there and tipped off the cops in order to get them out of the games to get Jude's scenario to play out. Um, I just ruin Alabama. That's how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> OK. Um there's a question here. It says why. Then another guy says what, where, who, how. Fun stuff. Uh, next one from Seafarers182. 
how long until Leak and Riley gets left on the tarmac uh, slash sinks to the bottom of the bottle at, U- <laughs> at USC? Pontificate on the inevitable collapse of anyone who would deign dare to resurrect that program. I mean, Jude can't answer this because Jude's scared. Yeah, he's scared. He's scared. I, uh, I mean, I think the sixty-four thousand dollars question is: Is Lincoln Riley for real, or is he? Did he just live off of, uh, you know, Bob Stoops's uh, sloppy seconds, right? So, I think. It's um, so we're gonna fi- we're gonna find out. But right now, he is hitting that transfer portal harder than anybody else that I'm that I've been paying attention to. And, uh, he's got some real, he's got some real, uh, skill position weapons. I don't know if he's, if he has an offensive or defensive line, but sure does it. Um, here's the thing I will say about Lincoln Riley is that his schedule is not particularly difficult over the next two years. They don't have outside of Notre Dame. There's no real, um, mark competition. Yeah, there's no Pac-12. I mean, what is Oregon? Right. Is Utah the class of the Pac-12? Are are we are we ready to say Utah is the class of the Pac-12? Because when you look up and down their schedule, it's basically just like the Pac-12 South is not very good. How how good is, um, you know, Arizona, Arizona State, UCLA? These aren't very good teams. And it's not 2024. They play uh, LSU in uh, Vegas. that's what I wanted to hit home was like, look at their out of conference schedules. Like 2022, they play Rice, Fresno State, uh, and Notre Dame. And 2023 doesn't get much better with Nevada, BYU, Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, you're right. Like, getting the LSU in 2020. Like, the Pac 12 isn't going to offer it to them. So it's going to be outside of that. So if they're, I mean, honestly, if they're smart, they keep that limited, right? Like, maybe, like, they, they can't weasel out of that LSU game without looking like some bitches. But, you know, in, in uh, 2025, they play Ole Miss. And, and who, who knows, knows what Ole Miss, Miss is? is? Yeah, who knows what Ole Miss is yeah. like in 2025? Right. Could be could be really good, could be terrible. But it's uh, just this, like there's nothing there why they had conference. to get rid of. This is why they had to get rid of Clay Helton because this part of the schedule is coming up and you're going to be able to put together, you know, eight, nine, ten wins – over the next two years, simply because your schedule is not good. Yeah, just guaranteed. They're show up games. It's a show so, up conference. I'm not sure what's going to get Link. I think Lincoln Riley is going to be there for a minimum of five years, and it's whether or not he can't get the team to the college football playoff is what's ultimately going to decide it for him. But I don't. It's going to be Notre. Gonna it's going to be Notre Dame that does it. Notre Dame is going to have, going to be have to be the ones ultimately to decide Lincoln Riley's fate. Whether or not he Which can sounds be- good to me. Yeah, sounds good. To yes. me. I'm down with that. I'm down. Um, let's see that. Who will be the next Heisman Trophy winner at Notre Dame, and why is it Isaiah Foskey? If wow! Not, wow! Who on this roster do you believe has the potential to exit Notre Dame with that prestigious award? Uh, I wouldn't call it prestigious, but this guy did. I get commercials. That's pretty prestigious. Um, I don't the know. Answer, the answer is nobody because they won't play anybody two ways. That's accurate. Well, we don't know if Mark. Well, we don't know if Marcus will or not. Um, 
here's a question now. Well, maybe he shot down Kyle. I don't know. But um, it's got to be a quarter. So it's got to be a quarterback. Or uh, just history says that it's got to be a quarterback. Right? So, so it's going to be Ron Paulus. <laughs> it's it. got to be. It. Love it. Uh, Beano Cook wasn't wrong. Steve Angeli. Um, Dante Moore. Oh my God. <laughs> Aim high brother. Aim high. Um, I, so, I mean, Tyler Buckner could, I mean, if Tyler Buckner goes out and beats Ohio state in the shoe, he's definitely odds, on the watch list. Yeah. He'll be on the watch list. Well, so, as long as he doesn't, he beat him by going nine for 19 for uh, 180 yards or whatever. Right. Brandon doesn't Wimbush Wimbush beat, Wimbush, you, yeah, it doesn't throw a win bush, but I'm yeah. Trying- well, then, then again, I don't think anybody put uh, you know Anthony Brown on any Heisman watch list either, though, right? What was oh man? Usually, it's so it's a lot easier to get to than this. The Heisman, the what was the Heisman count last year? I mean, it was a runaway. For, right, but I'm talking about just in the uh, here, there we go voting records. Just in the voting itself um, for last year, like who are some of the randoms that we that received Heisman voting last year? Well, Aiden Hutchinson was uh, invited, um, and I think did he finish second? No, he did not finish second. Right? I thought he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He did. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it wasn't as it wasn't as close as the Johnny Manziel, Manziel. Uh, Taya. Yeah. yeah. But I and I, I think you know I think the world of of Aiden Hutchinson. But as we saw in the college football playoff, he wasn't even the best defender in college football. It was Will Anderson. Uh, so, so so look the top ten the top ten Heisman voting in order went Bryce Young, Aiden Hutchinson, Kenny Pickett, C.J. Stroud. Will Anderson, Kenneth Walker, Matt Corral, Desmond Ritter, Jordan Davis, and Brees Hall. Who voted for Brees Hall? He got um, 12 votes. Five, he got five second place votes and seven third place votes. Jesus. Though, whoever, put Brees, whoever put Brees Hall second on their Heisman ballot needs to have their ballot taken from them. Just, I mean, I guarantee you it was Brett McMurphy. Uh, does PFF College get does PFF College get a <laughs> Austin Gale? Does he get a vote? I mean, it was bad enough that Will Anderson was didn't get wasn't it. invited to New York. Yeah, that which and, is that, a, and that Hutchinson actually got more votes than Will Anderson. I mean, that's that's more or less because of the of Alabama fatigue and the fact it's that splitting votes. Yeah, right, and splitting votes with Bryce Young. That's a little bit insane. Uh, Will Anderson did receive more first first votes, though, than Kenny Pickett. That's interesting. Yeah. So it's got to be a quarterback um, <clears throat> and whether or not the quarterback's on the roster or not. Because, um, you know, Devontae Smith, uh, assorted Alabama running backs excluded. Um, it's, it's really a quarterback award. So... Uh, if Notre Dame is going to get a Heisman Trophy winner, they're probably winning the national title. 
and it's whoever the quarterback of that national title winning team is. Okay. Yeah, I I hate the Heisman. Like I would rather focus on like the Lombardi more than the Heisman. Uh, I would just but, like to see Notre Dame promote somebody for Heisman. I mean, I know they did yeah, a yeah. little bit with Josh yeah. Adams, but I mean, well, and then he got injured. They did they could do a lot more. It should have been Quentin Nelson. It should have been fucking been Quentin Nelson. Like, well, they should Ohio have been promoting State, him for the Outland at the same time. Well, so. Ohio State did it with Orlando Pace, and that wasn't a team that lacked other Heisman candidates. Like Eddie George is George is kind of good at football, yeah, but. Fucking, I mean, they had the whole pancake counter going on with, with, with pace. I mean, Quentin Nelson was a generational talent and just an extraordinary player. And the fact that his only role in the Heisman was to be part of the 33 trucking campaign that lasted all of a one week, one week before he got hurt. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, and, and Jude's absolutely right. It, it took too long to get to. Like, just jump on the hype train, man. Just do it right off the bat and see what happens. I mean, Christ, the, wor- the worst you could be is that, that you didn't live up to your own hype. That, well, who I mean, cares at that point? Yeah, does it, is anyone saying, oh, Oregon's such trash because they, they promoted Joey Harrington in Times Square? Exactly, no. exactly. Like, no, that was not. And that was a smart move by Oregon. Yeah, I thought these, it was great. These, that was what, 20 years ago? Oh, God, yeah. Longer than that? I mean, these things have lasting effects. Like the campaigns have lasting effects for your program. They can be, if they're done correctly, even when they don't win, they have lasting effects. You know, Teo's stuff got, was almost like it was dead spin erasure because of what happened after that. But the fact that he was that close to winning it as a fucking middle linebacker was incredible. Um, there was there was a conversation. Uh, I don't know if you guys listened to this week's Rakes report, where they had he had on two professors from Notre Dame, and one of them it was talking. a fantastic episode. Yeah, it was good. By the way, great I, episode. I, I, I normally don't toot the horns of people that could care less about me or this site or this podcast, but that episode and the guest that Chris had on was a excellent listen. Excellent listen. Um, I highly recommend it. Yeah. So. Uh, I think it was Chris Becker, Christine Becker um, had talked to Aaron Horvath and, and obviously Aaron was one in, in, kind of in the room where it was happening. You know, he's one of the four with Katie Lonergan and, and uh, Jack Swarbrick and Shilly Kishelty who are kind of like game planning all this out after Brian Kelly left. And they had come up with like kind of three words that they had, they had get, wanted to guide, you know, the whole process or the whole promotion process or whatever. And one of them was humility, which like, that's very Notre Dame and it actually kind of like it, it worked, I think in this case, because they, they could do it the way that they wanted to do it, but like, because they had the time, but I don't like humility when it doesn't serve uh, a guy that really needs to be put front and center. I, I know it's, you know, I don't think anyone on the team is going to get a bad attitude because you're pumping Kyle Hamilton for the Heisman trophy or Kyle Hamilton for the Benardic or what, you know, whatever award you want to put him. It's in. the opposite. On a good team, it's the opposite, where they rally behind that. And I think that kind of stuff has a lasting effect because kids watch that and they go, okay, this is a school that will put all its might behind me if they believe in me 
and I want to go and and be their next Heisman candidate, or I want to be their next Outland candidate, or I want to be their next whatever candidate. So, yep. I just wish they would do. I wish they would do a little bit more instead of being so passive. Like, oh, so and so got named to the preseason. I mean, those things are nice or whatever, but like, I want a little bit more aggression. I want a little bit more. Kind of in your face, and I know that's we've not talked the about that way. before on this podcast. We've talked. I know but we've talked about that before. Like, yeah. like, like, be Brendan. It, that goes in with be the villain. Like people associate like braggadocious, like pumping your chest people as as a, a you know, more of a villain role. Be the villain. How well, that's people, how else are people going to know? Right, being and, humble in college we, football is is reserved for the fucking for the academies. All right, that's just. You're not, and it's it's funny because Notre Dame is has been involved in a lot of its own myth making, right? And so, absolutely, you know, just like we talked about, I think in the last podcast about inflating the number of national championships that you claim, like be involved in your own myth making, you know, and, right. and hype a player like, past where he maybe deserves to be hyped, but like let one, let's, let's let's do it. One could say, Jude, you're already lying. Go the full nine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like hey, you're already you're already like spinning a tail, whip it up. I mean, really dig in. Oh, build build your own universe, which you have. I I just I think that was such a that be supposed to be some fun classes to take talking about the the myth the myth building uh, at Notre Dame around this football program because of of everything that has gone on and it, look it's just Notre Dame was just so much different in the 20s and 30s like the way the media worked and, and all that, and that where they were able to build these giant uh, storylines and myths and push that out to the American people to, to put Notre Dame in the spotlight where now it's like Notre Dame is complete opposite of that, where they would like shy away from that. They would do, they would, they would do whatever they could to like quietly tap that down. Like makes no sense. <clears throat> Notre Dame wins the natty. What food do you celebrate with this monumental achievement with? Does it involve hot sauce? If so, what brand? If not, how dare you? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I really don't know. Uh, I think I would just buy, buy a bourbon. bottle of ex- expensive, <laughs> yeah, expensive liquor and just get rip roaringly drunk. Uh, well, there's there's like, there's one I follow, correct. I, hold on one second. I follow one Chiefs fan on on uh, Twitter, and he absolutely fucking blew up my Twitter uh, all day sa- Saturday night or whatever time the game was. Was it Sunday that they played? Sunday night into Monday morning. It was like 100% Chiefs comment, and it was so fucking annoying. But I was like. The kid, like he's, I don't know, he's, you know, he's very excited about his team winning. I probably would be just as annoying if Notre Dame ever won the national championship. Oh, he's like uh, Patrick Mahomes, a terrible fiance, huh? Yeah. She is the pits, by the way. Um, I mean, yeah, the, the only food to celebrate is is bourbon, and we are drinking it in the postgame pod because that <laughs> podcast Six hour podcast, like literally someone passes out. We take we take phone calls. We don't even know how to take phone calls. Twitter spaces. Twitter spaces. 
I still got to figure out a way to, to make that. People Venmo uh, us random amounts of money. We Venmo them random amounts of money. I would probably do, as far as food goes, I'd probably Ron Swanson it. It just, just breakfast food for like eight days. Yeah. All the Absolutely eggs greasy. and bacon. All make the, the eggs, eggs in bacon. the bacon grease. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who do you take where and why? The, okay. So this is a, this is a, imagine you, imagine you guys are in kindergarten and you're doing uh, kind of like a, a mix match game. Fuck draw the yeah. line. Yeah. 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 I didn't want to go that route because I'm watching my F bombs. Uh, you have the romantic riverboat cruise, a monster truck rally and escape Alcatraz. Your three options to take along with you to one of those three places are Marcus Freeman, Lou Holtz, and Brian Van Gorder. <laughs> All right. What were the three places? Escape Alcatraz, Monster Truck Rally, and what was the third one? A romantic, a romantic riverboat, cruise. riverboat Cruise. Okay. Well, BVG is at the Monster Truck Rally. That's a given. Guaranteed. Yeah, guaranteed. <laughs> well, Lou Holtz is going to help you escape from Alcatraz, so you're going to take him on the romance? Yeah, because I think take, Lou, yeah, because you can lose him with a shovelboard. You yeah. just lose. I don't want to hang out with Holtz. I want nothing to do with Lou Holtz. Yeah, but you could so drown just, like, him. With sca- you could drown him if he ever got out of Alcatraz. He would never make that. He would never make that. No, swim. but he can't help you get out. Marcus Freeman helps you get out of Alcatraz because he's a superhuman. Yeah, I want to take Marcus Freeman on Escape from Alcatraz because I think that's the most. I don't know, Brian Van. Brian Van Gorder looks like a corrections officer. I think we could easily dress him up as a corrections officer and fool people. <laughs> I might take him to Alcatraz. I like I do like that thinking. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick. I think Brendan and I are eye to eye on this. Uh, but I do like the BVG CO uh, type. That CO is I, I'm not sure if that is facial harassed. Is that a thing? <laughs> Facial harassed? You are facial harassed. You are profiling him based off of his choice of facial hair, Jude. And I, damn it, will Brendan, not stand for it. Brendan, yes, Brendan, Brendan. Yes, I will. I'm the only expert on this podcast. Yes. Uh, when it comes to this, it is uh, it, it is not a stereotype, but it's accurate. <laughs> it's so accurate. It's so accurate. Um, yeah, but, but here's the thing. He also looks like he attends every monster truck rally at the silver dome on sunday 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 grave digger <laughs> i agree I, I mean you and i have the same choices brendan i think Lou just saying, at a monster truck rally would be hilarious though the only choice for lou is the is the i riverboat. think i'm taking mark i think i'm taking marcus on the romantic thing because my wife would definitely come with me and yeah. you wouldn't see your wife again yeah I, that's fine that's fine <laughs> Some some sacrifices need to be made for the good of the whole. Um, I mean, what kind of what kind of riverboat romantic riverboat cruises are there? Like, I only know of like gambling riverboats, or are we talking romantic. like the, like the Viking uh, European you know river cruises? I mean, they have those romantic riverboats, uh, you know, in the south of France, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but again, yeah. isn't that in that like Viking? I mean, Lou Holtz, Lou Holtz is stupid rich. He would probably pay for all of your drinks. Um, he would talk to, to all of the people so you didn't have to talk to him. 
Um, and I'm you sure think the guy who reuses Crown Royal bags is is going to pay for everything. Yeah, I don't I think, think so. I think Lou Holtz in a if it's just you and Lou Holtz, I think he can be perfectly charming. Um, as soon as Lou Holtz decides to branch out into anything that's not things in the moment or football related, uh, perhaps perhaps not. But yeah. Lou Holtz is famous for being pretty a pretty charming individual and charismatic in that sense. And uh, a riverboat cruise where I can maybe steer uh, the conversation a little bit, um, I wouldn't mind. And he, then could probably get, enter, he could probably entertain people at the bar. You're right. You're right. And I wouldn't want to uh, escape from Alcatraz with him. And I wouldn't want to have – how old is Lou Holtz? 147? I wouldn't want to have to <laughs> – I wouldn't have to like <laughs> – his 87 pound corpse out from the monster truck rally as he dies from the sound. Yeah. Maybe use blue Holtz as a, as a body shield though, when you're escaping from Alcatraz, he would make an awful body. Get, shield. It would be a terrible body shield. First of all, I'm twice the size of Lou's Holtz. It's like, <laughs> like, like, like a, a gum, a gumball, like a gumball getting shot would go right through him. If, if Michael Bean is trying to, stuff a um sarin nerve gas pearl into my throat i don't want i don't want lou holtz be there to cover my my six right if if we have a rock scenario this is really hard i don't think i think it's easy i think it's easy uh moving on uh that was a good question what issues do you see freeman running into uh, this is from Connor Higgins, 19. We all saw the hiccups of the Fiesta Bowl, but it seemed the team seemed much more prepared at the beginning of the game and insisted and instead fell apart after the first half. What problems do you see Freeman having as a first-time coach that BK would, BK would have avoided? Do you see us dropping a game to a bad team? What do you think a record will be, 10-2, and 12-0, or worse? What do you hope to see he does differently as opposed to BK that will push Notre Dame to the next level inside the stadiums, not recruiting-wise? Not recruiting-wise. Also, what is your game day beer of choice? And if it is a PBR, you are a real fan. Well, that's good news for me. <laughs> uh, hiccups for Freeman. Trying I mean, to do too much and be defensive coordinator. Yep. Yeah, and just the the, the mistakes that that first year coaches make, which is like, you know, they they don't they don't have to worry about situational problems until they're head coach and then they yeah. and then they're managing timeouts and they're also thinking about going for a two and during a certain time when they're down by you know 15 or something and it's just you start chasing I mean, thank, points and doing something weird you know like thank god Kelly. marcus thank god marcus freeman came up in the video game age where at least you had a young age you get a training for time management like, I think that's a lot different now. Like you're used to it because of NCAA football and Madden, uh, where you get a little bit of training as a youngster coming up. So, uh, which is important. But not playing I base think, defense in a in a obvious prevent scenario. Yeah, I just I think time management. I think there's going to be games where you're going to see some Bob Davy esque type shit going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's going to be frustrating. It, it's just people are going to have to. You're really going to have to like just like deal with it. Yeah, it's going to happen. 
we don't know how he deals with the media after like if he's in if he starts off one and three like you know and the long knives are out like we just we have no idea of like of sort of his race under pressure you know right boy if if he drops and that, the that's like, and not just with the media but with the team like how right. does he how does he respond how does he you know react and respond to the team on a downslide because Brian Kelly like I, I won't allow Brian Kelly slander like real Brian Kelly slander on this podcast because he was a good coach yeah. like he, the thing about BK was there was a consistency in what he did day in and day out and the players fell in line with that so even after say they get their asses kicked or whatever you're just coming back to work. There's not a big mystery about what you're doing the next week. I think Freeman, if you, even if he stays consistent, there's nothing, there's no baseline for him. Right. So players aren't sure how to react or how to, to go about. So you're going to get some of that for a while. I mean, for a couple of years. Uh, yeah, for sure. Like, like how, how, you know, how do you come back? How do you come back after a close win against, you know, a shit team, you know, Marshall, say Marshall games close, you know, it just, there was a consistency to BK that helped guide this team through the seasons for the, the years they started accumulating win after win after win. Like they didn't lose to teams they shouldn't lose to. That's right. That sounds easy, but it's not. It's hard. Right. There's uh, why they're leading not. the country in it, right? Yeah. So, Freeman's going to lose to a team he shouldn't and how they, how that comes about and how they deal with that afterwards is going to be interesting. Maybe not so this let's, year. Let's, let's pivot now. to the, to the second part of that question, which is what's the floor on this, this next season, the floor is four, eight and four, oh. the floor, the floor is eight and four. That's a rough floor, man. I mean, do you disagree though? We're yeah, talking, we're talking about the floor here. I'm I'm saying that the absolute floor is nine and three. Because North Carolina returns nothing. I mean, Sam Howell was the team, right? Cal's not good. Marshall's not good. BYU's not very good. Stanford is a dumpster fire. UNLV is a dumpster fire. Syracuse stinks. Navy is Navy. So now it's Ohio. So the floor would be you lose to Ohio State. You lose to Clemson, Boston College, and USC. I think so. So losing to Boston College is a possibility. Could be. Oof. Oof. And again, this isn't Brian Kelly, Notre Dame. We don't know how that's all going to happen. You do the body blow against Navy the week before BC. Yeah. You got Jakova coming back. Maybe he's just like a man on a fucking mission and you know we 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 could get torched we don't know if you get torched to the area we don't we don't know yet i just think of right now in january i look at the schedule and you ask about the floor i think the floor is eight and four even if it's not bc i could still see i could still see notre dame losing to a byu team in vegas i can still see that happening i can still see notre dame losing um, I don't know. I can't. And that's it. Those, so those five teams. I guess, I guess my pro- question to you would be, is that 
one of the absolute certainties of Notre Dame going into 2022 is that their offensive line is going to be upper echelon, right? I think that that's a certainty. I don't, I don't think that I'm overestimating what Notre Dame is or isn't. I think that you can say with pretty good certainty that with Jared Patterson returning, this offensive line is going to be the strength of this team. And when the offensive line is the strength of your team, it's very, you're a very right, hard but this out. defense that just gave up 600 some odd yards to Oklahoma state in the last game is still there. Like this, this goes beyond like there is still the opening for a game like that. And again, because there's no BK for steadiness that we know of right now. Yeah. And, and who's the DC? You, you don't know the DC, but I, I would, I would say that Oklahoma state's like the outlier and, Poor second half adjustments because you didn't have a defensive coordinator. I guess and all I'm saying is I see the I see the possibilities. Like ask me ceiling. The ceiling is the ceiling. Twelve and zero. The ceiling is the ask roof. Me the, <laughs> ask me the ask me the ask me the floor. It's eight and four. Like I mean, I just think that there's that just says that how much we don't how much I am saying I don't know about this team right now. I'm going to upset you, but that is a very Tim Priester response, and I will not stand for Joshua Vowles. Joshua Vowles, <laughs> that, that upsets me greatly. Eight and four is hey, like the Tim ultimate. Would have, Tim would have never have went through the exercise of, of going through each game. Never. No, but he would have just said eight and four. But, I mean, I, I, I'm eight and four because I think there's more unknowns this year because of the, of the turnover. I mean, I, I want to see. I want to see some. I want to see how it's pieced together in spring, especially in the defensive secondary. And I mean, if if uh, Joseph proves to be like all American caliber, maybe maybe my mind changes, and I'm thinking, yeah, this is a this is a three three loss four team, but not right now. Okay. Um. Let's answer that. What do you what do you want to see Freeman do differently as opposed to BK? It has nothing to do with recruiting. Take bigger risks. Yeah. Not play get, to don't play games the not at, to get blown right? out. Yeah. I I want to see you humiliate teams just because he can. Yeah, just exert your will. Yeah, just set the world on fire and throw a can of gasoline at it. Um, game day beer of choice, Jude. You're more of a uh, of a cranberry Red Bull and vodka drinker, are you? I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Did you drop off again? Oh, he's up. I uh, I think it was the Wisconsin game this year um, to commemorate Sorry, how bad Mertz was going to be. I I bought a tall boy PBR for every every game from there on out. That's great. They're delicious. They're delicious. Refreshing. Yeah. I'm more of a hard liquor guy. So I'll basically drink anything. I'll have a cider, maybe. (laughs) Cider. Hard cider? I don't know. Uh, I'd rather not. I mean, it definitely, look, whatever gets you a buzz gets you a buzz. Right. Uh, But I wouldn't drink very many of them or want to, anyways. But I mean, I don't mind one every once in a while. Which is funny. I think we actually have some hard ciders in the fridge. Have been there since like July. Um, since it was a hot topic last weekend, if you had to build a football overtime rules from scratch, how would you do it? How crazy could you make it and still be legitimate? I mean, don't we just shouldn't we just do the XF? If they're going to do sudden death, then it needs to be XFL style scrum for the football. Other than that, just make it an eight minute quarter or just make it whatever. But if someone scores, you still get a chance to. You still get a chance. I don't. I, I I think the NFL overtime rules are hot trash. Did you read about the? um, Did you read about some of the like the crazy ass? um, Oh God, I wish I remember where I read this about some of the crazy ass um, scenarios in which like one team would pick the yard line and the other team would pick whether they wanted to um, take the ball or defend from that position. So that you makes more sense than what they're doing now. Yeah. <laughs> so you could say, I want it on the opponent's 30 yard line. And they'd say, okay, I'll, we'll take the ball at our own. That would be our own 30 yard line. And then you'd say, well, I want it at my own 30 yard line. And then the opponent would say, well, I want the ball at their 30 yard line. So it's like, you got to be a little bit strategic, right? Yeah. Anything's better than what they got going on. I mean, literally yeah, I almost anything is better than what they got going on right now. Um, Irish by choice. Every team gets to pick one player from another team. No questions asked to transfer. What one player do we get? And what one player is taken from our roster? Will Anderson. Um, because I think if you put Will Anderson in the middle of this defense, um, he's the best player in college football. So Will Anderson and then taken from Notre Dame, I don't know. It's got to be one of the two, Joe Walter, Blake Fisher, Isaiah Foskey. Yeah, I was gonna say Foskey. Michael Mayer. 
Yeah, Michael Mayer. Yeah. I say it's Foskey because everyone wants an edge player. Uh, I think you go take, go grab. It doesn't matter. Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. I mean, I like Buckner, but he's not on their level. No. The Heisman Trophy winner and the guy who finished third in the Heisman Trophy winner, he's out of that level. Uh, so I think you go grab one of those guys. And um, yeah, I think Foskey probably. Mayer's probably another good one. How different? Although, I don't know. Maybe how do you guess I'm not? I'm not. How different is this defense if you insert Will Anderson, though? If you put the absolute best player in college football in the middle of your defense, how different is it? I mean, it's better, <laughs> right? <laughs> I just, I, guess, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't disagree with you. Like, I... <clears throat> As far as I, I, that's a great choice. I guess go, I just want a different route in the sense of everyone says, go get the elite quarterback. So you're giving them the opportunity just to go cherry pick one. We just wouldn't cherry picked one. You know what I mean? Because Will Anderson is, he's that Kyle Hamilton tier of player where he's a generational player at the linebacker position. Um, I don't think anybody, like he was a sophomore, true sophomore last year. And this year, just the season he put up as a true sophomore and then this season continuing onward, like a generational player uh, at the outside linebacker position. And I just I don't know, man, that's that's tough to pass up because you listed two quarterbacks, C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. Yeah, just I don't think no matter. either neither one's generational, but I guess Notre Dame had a generational guy in Kyle Hamilton, but I don't know. So I guess I'd like to know who who's getting taken from my team, because if Isaiah Foskey gets taken from my team, then I think Will Anderson's more attractive to me. Right? Yeah, I, yeah, that's a good point. And I mean, what where do you see Notre Dame having deficiencies? I guess, I guess you can make I don't know who going into this season would be the best cornerback um, in college football, but. I think the linebacker position could certainly use uh, an infusion of serious talent because, uh, you know, are we going to get Prince Kali? Are we going to see Sneed? Um, I know Bowers, <laughs> Bowers there locking down the, the middle, but I, I think linebacker is a position that you could do to linebacker recruiting. You could certainly use a, a dynamic player. I mean, we saw what JOK did at the position and this in Will right. Anderson's a better JOK. I think we're about to see what Maris Lewifau can do. I'm so I excited so. for Lewifau's return. So stupidly excited. Um, next one here from Text Irishman123. Whatever category. Let uh, me want to put this in. As a fellow Mac school graduate, Ball State, yes, cue the testicle tech jokes. If we took the best Mac player at each position and field that team against ND this year, What's the final score? Thanks for the entertainment, boys. So basically just take like the all Mac teams, right? First, second so team, all Mac teams. My first question is, do they get to do they get to play with each other, practice with each other, or do they just get assembled for the game? I would I assume, would assume get, that yeah. I would assume they they get proper 
proper time okay. to become a team. Like Mac U. 38-17. Our name. We could even beat Toledo 38-17. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I would I would say that I'm not USC's talking about 2021, Joshua. I'm talking about 2022. <laughs> I ain't talking about the past. Well, uh, the Mac the Mac returns a lot of guys this year, particularly on uh, up in Mount Pleasant. I was actually Jude or Brendan. I was surprised that uh, the first and second team Mac teams, not a whole lot of Northern Illinois guys on that on those. No. I mean, surprise. It'll be, I mean, the the battery of of D Rich, Big Lou, and then Khalil Pimpleton. Uh, it'll be formidable for any team to return such a Sun Bowl champion worthy uh, <laughs> stable of players. Uh, no, no, I mean, no. The best collection of Mac players. I don't think that the Mac. You know, some years the Mac has like a guy that's on everybody's radar. And I'm not sure if that guy exists in 2022, um, like a dynamic quarterback. And I, I don't, I don't think that they have that sort of guy. No. Even, if, even if you collected the best amount of talent, that's sort of the thing with, there's so much parody in the Mac that it's not like you can take the best player of every position from all of the various Mac schools and create anything more than like a mid tier big 10 team. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Jude's probably right. About 38-17. Cuz you would assume that if it's an all-star team, Notre Dame would take them a little bit more serious too, right? Yeah, that I think that was I, that was came into my th- thought process there right, towards the end. I just don't Yeah. Yeah. Hey, that's a good showing for the Mac. Good showing. Um, <clears throat> from Irish Badger Two, how do you handle your TiVo for games besides Notre Dame games? I assume you have to watch live because it's your job. How do you handle the antisocial behavior required to watch games later, or how do you handle watching live sports with all the commercials? What would you do if you? Okay, so let's answer that one first. Um, I mean, I definitely don't care if it's on my my DVR. I just go straight to YouTube and give me a condensed version. It's beautiful. I don't watch. Um, I, I have multiple TVs going and multiple, and yeah. multiple devices. So I, I can't watch games and I hate watching games in bubbles that aren't condensed. Like, you know me, I watch the scrubs of games. Um, and if there's a game going on the same time as the Notre Dame game, it's going to be on the second TV. And if it doesn't get my full attention, you know, it doesn't get my full attention. But like, yeah, I can't I can't watch games with commercials because I, I, I hate fast forwarding because nothing drives you more nuts than when you like miss a play and then have to like right. rewind back. And I can't do it. So if I'm not watching it live or have it live, I need I need that that edited cut down version. I, I, my answer depends on like if the game is still ongoing, if the game's still ongoing, then I will, I'll, you know, obviously grab it from the beginning and then just try to catch up 
by fast forwarding through the commercials. I know that our, our friend Greg does that sometimes. Um, you know, if the games are already passed, then uh, yeah, absolutely. If there's a, if there's a faster way to watch it online, uh, that doesn't involve me having to do anything except just sit in front of it. I will, I will definitely take that. So. Yeah. I mean, I just, there are, I guess I just don't do that a whole lot. I mean, I, I try to up in the press box. It's hard to really lock down a couple other games other than what you got in front of you on the field. Sure. I mean, pay attention to them and even throughout the day lead up and all that. It's just, it's a hard follow. So like away games, it's a little easier. And even then it's like, I am flipping all over the place. I mean, just, so I'm watching game, I'm watching like four games, you know, kind of simultaneously. And some day, you know, some Saturdays, we all know this. Sometimes the noon slate is the fucking top tier, right? Yeah. Like the noon, this last year, it feels like the noon slate just set the day up and you, you had a good night. Anyways. Thank you, Fox, by the way. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Gus Johnson. I, there, I maybe went back and watched three or four games total all year, like, and watched of that were non Notre Dame games. And I usually watch a lot more. Like, Sundays used to be watching, like, I'd have some games recorded and have that in the background and, and go through just some, some games that you knew were good. Um, but I don't, I don't know. Antisocial behavior. Uh, we're dads. I don't know how else to explain that. Uh, to what, he was asking, you know, how do you handle the antisocial behavior? Watch them later. Just like, is he talking about Notre Dame games recorded? You think, or other games? Because like the other games is just like, like probably got, the other games. Yeah, I got nothing else going on. Like, <laughs> like he just got your family life and that stuff. So it's just sneaking into the office or while you're pooping. Uh, maybe watching a 15 minute uh, recap of a game. If ESPN would just do their freaking job and do a better layout, like post day layout of what happened that day, we wouldn't have to worry about this. You know, you're watching a lot of it throughout the day. You know, kind of what goes on, but getting better. I I call them highlights. I don't really mean highlights, like game synopsis or recaps. Uh, would be nice, but you just don't get that. Unless you so, go surfing YouTube. I guess what I would say is I've spent, you know, 17 years of my relationship with my wife, not all those married years, but still relationship years. And, you know, she's understood throughout that time, the things that I take precedence in my life. And she's decided not to involve herself in, in actively watching the Day football games. But at the same time, she gives me the time to do what I need to do to, to watch those games. And she knows when the games are. So we're not, you know, we're not making plans with friends. We don't have other obligations outside the house or whatever. Um, and if the kids are, you know, being little jerks, then that's sort of her problem. I can, I can help halftime commercial breaks, stuff like that. But, um, you know, she sort of, she sort of allows me to have that time. So I guess I'm, I'm blessed in that regard to be a little antisocial and um, and not have it be a problem. Okay. Um, 
What would you do if Notre Dame ever met a big R in a national championship or playoff game? What if we played Michigan in a national championship game? Would you ha- would you have to run on the field and hit someone? Would it be more of a, uh, a Celtic pride situation? Or would you pretend Notre Dame is Tanya Harding and you are her boyfriend and the big R's best player is Nancy Kerrigan? I mean, how do you handle meeting up with a big R in a playoff slash national championship game? I mean, you just deal with it, right? Like that's super. I would be throwing up every every <laughs> single day from from the moment the moment either Notre Dame or the big or if it's Michigan if it was Michigan and in Notre Dame from the moment both teams were set as the teams I would just start throwing up and I don't think I'd stop for the whole week. Right, because it's like giving your losing to your big R, losing to a big R stinks. But losing the national championship game to a big R, no, 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 no. I don't want, I don't want it. I don't want that. Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby? Don't you put that evil on me? So that'd be like next year, like facing USC, the national championship game. You edged him out in South. Right. Maybe that's not a good year. It would have to be like a mid-year loss, right? Well, not if they're undefeated going into the game. You beat them, and then they win the Pac-12 title, and then they come in as like the four seed, and Notre Dame's the two okay. seed. Yeah, yeah, okay. Okay. Ugh. Oh, uh, I just, that would be so gross. I mean, it definitely makes jokes and memes easier that week lead up. I mean, I'd be pretty excited about it, but I mean, I guess I like a little variety too. Like I wouldn't have minded if Notre Dame played Kansas state in 2012. That'd have been, that'd have been cool. Yeah. I like, I like national titles, <laughs> you know, I mean, so like, I mean, big R we're basically just talking about Michigan SC, right? And I'd say Michigan only is a big R in this sense because a lot of Notre Dame fans still look at them that way. I I don't. So a, Navy, a, Navy, and Notre Dame national title stop, game. Stop! 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 SoFi Stadium. <laughs> stop. Uh, Michigan State Notre Michigan. Dame. You know that's not that far fetched. That'd be fun. Oh, I'd be so, I. I would be so excited for like a Notre Dame, Michigan state semifinal. That would be fun. I, I, I don't think that that is entirely out of the question. Jude, what's your take here? I, I, I'm like, I'm like, uh, Brendan, I, I think I'd be very nervous. I'd be very upset if they lost more so than if they lose the, when they lose to an SEC team in the national championship, you just kind of shrug your shoulders and say, eh, it's Alabama for you or whatever. But if they lost to Michigan or USC, it's just like it adds an extra level of twisting the knife. So it'd be like the Giants losing to, well, this wouldn't be possible, but like the Cowboys <laughs> or the Eagles or something. You know, it's just, I guess in the NFC championship game, you know what I mean? It's like you just, nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. Right. Okay. Uh 
we are down to the last question of the night. Uh, this one from uh, from my good friend Scrooge said, "You watched the West Wing multiple times. What is your favorite episode and why?" Uh, you know, probably probably the season under like season two, the two cathedrals. I mean, you got you got Bartlett and Church putting out a cigarette. Uh, just chewing out God. Uh, that's some pretty hardcore shit. Um, I mean, that was, that was pretty tough. Like that, I, the lead up to that was great. Like they, they had the episode, uh, you know, finding out that he had MS and he kind of had all that stuff going on. And that was like, like what, four or five episode arc leading into that, that season ender. Uh, I just, I do want to say Aaron Sorkin for as good and as as great as the series was like, People overlook like a lot of the very poor writing, very poor writing in the series. Like Sorkin, like he keeps using like the same last names for different characters. There's all sorts of things. Like somehow Bartlett, like he stumbled and could not remember like the most famous quote from Revelation about behold, I see a pale horse and death is right. He did. He couldn't remember that all day. He's trying to remember it. And ask someone to go look it up in the Bible. Yet then he's, but two episodes earlier, he's like going chapter and verse about Exodus on some, like it, it makes no sense. Like Sorkin's a good, it's a great show and all, but yeah, there's a lot of problems. Well, my favorite episode probably definitely is two cathedrals. Um, they did some flashbacks with his secretary, uh, Landingham. Um, I really liked when she said something about him needing a big sister as a, as the oldest male, sibling uh i remember what i i that that episode hit that hit it's not it it popped that was a good episode i'd say it was probably the best one of the series i don't know what to say i don't know if you guys have one or not uh i don't have a, i don't have fa- I, i've watched west wing start to finish i don't know that i have a favorite episode um there was a lot, there was many that I really enjoyed and many moments that I really enjoyed. And the one that obviously resonates with me and a ton of people is, um, the story that the chief of staff tells about, um, the guy falling into the well and then his buddy jumps in with him and he says, why the hell did you do that? And he says, well, we're in this together. Um, I've been down here another way out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, that's a, I've used that story with, in, in my personal life before just to, to you know, talk to somebody down and down and out that's right. in a place where I've been in before in my life, just as like, kind of like a way, it's a great way of explaining like no one's special. None of your, none of your experiences are truly unique. No, I mean, there are, maybe there are some out there, but pe- people go through a lot of the same experiences. Life can go on. If you, um, if you allow it to, and if you, do the things um, that ties in with like uh, the episode when he had the priest in there with the death penalty. Everyone praying, asking for for God to tell him what to do, what to do. And he tells that story about the guy who drowned. You know, he's the guy sent you this, and you know, he got up to the pearly gates, and I sent you this person. What the hell are you doing here? Like right. people just not going with the obvious or need the obvious hit on the head rather than going with all the other clues around him in life. It's a good show. 
So I, I, I sort of have my own question about this, which is, did you watch and enjoy other Aaron Sorkin shows such as Sports Night, Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, The Newsroom? Newsroom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I did. Yeah. There's a great cut up on YouTube, too, where, like I said, Sorkin is a, is a great screenwriter. The, reuse, but, the reusing of the names, yeah. Oh, reusing a phrase. He does it within the own, like with West Wing, even, like. He uses like the phrase like reach out, reach for the stars, like in a lot of episodes, like just a rollback. Um, yeah, I like I like Sorkin stuff for sure. Newsroom was really good. I wish they would bring a do a newsroom. I thought I heard them bringing that back. I would oh. like to, to do that again. That'd be kind of cool. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's a great cut up on YouTube of uh, Sorkin's phrases. Uh, <laughs> you, you go to the well. The the funny thing is about West Wing too is what was it after season three or four? Sorkin bolted, and you just saw like the absolute crashing of character uh, after he left. Like, I don't know the the, the way they bring around Ly- Josh Lyman is basically like a, a son. To, to Bartlett, but then like the way he leaves, it's just like another random guy. You know, when he finally takes on the Santos campaign, it's just like the way they ended that was ridiculous. Toby's whole storyline about uh, release of state secrets was ridiculous. He'd never, never, the Sorkin Toby would never have fucking done that. Um, I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> that's all I got on that one. <laughs> 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 there are some great there's a great West Wing podcast. I think I can't remember the name of it uh, that will go through episode by episode and touch on all this stuff. I'm sure. <sighs> I would like to reuse some some phrases for 2022 that we had in 2021. Playoff run. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. I like that one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just hoping a running back uh, emerges to take the place of Kyron. I mean, we got to hope Diggs is the guy, right? I mean, he doesn't have to be. Diggs, the man. Could be. Uh, could be Sebo. There's also Tyree as well. I'd like to see what Tyree looks like with um, not having turf toe. That would be nice. That would be cool. I get my big thing with. And I, what, what was I screaming this after the Florida State game? Maybe maybe I waited till after the Toledo game. I, I was screaming like, let's use our weapons. Like being more creative offensively was like a huge thing last year. Like I just. You know, you're bringing back you know, like with Brayden Lindsay, who I cannot. Tim Priester has a. Listen to that last podcast episode on Irish Illustrated Podcast. There is no love lost between Priester and his feelings about Brayden Lindsay at Notre Dame. Um, and maybe some fans feel that way. Like, I, I I don't know. I just think Notre Dame has not used him properly. They didn't use him properly last year. Maybe that was a Brayden Lindsay's fault. Maybe that was Tommy Reese's fault. I'm not sure. But it's just like you had more speed at Notre Dame than you've had in the past. And they just refused to be more creative in how they used it. 
It didn't make sense to me. Like, how, how can we not get these guys into space, especially at a time when Notre Dame was struggling along the line? Like, you don't – like, get rid of the damn ball. Get it to a guy in space. Like, figure out – you guys are the ones making the big bucks out there. Figure out a way to get the ball into playmakers' hands and let's go out and make some damn plays. So I – yeah. I'd like to see some of that. I like to see Chris Tyree become the Chris Tyree we hoped he would be. Like I never thought Chris Tyree was going to be a, and if you did, you were, I just don't know what you were smoking. He was never going to be a 20 carry 20, 25 carry running back. Who is though? College. I mean, Kyron Williams wasn't a 20, 25 carry back. Right. Kyron Williams was a guy in the teens. Right. Uh, Derek Henry. Yeah, well, no, he wasn't either. He was a guy with 30, 40. <laughs> 30 carries. <laughs> uh, that's what you got an estimate for. Yeah, I mean, um, any college running back these days is probably somewhere between 15 and in, in 20 carries. Right. Yeah. I just use them smart, use them wisely, use them well. There's There's enough weapons on this team. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear about the lack of wide receivers. And although that is an, is a bit of an issue, you still have enough, right? I mean, injuries become a problem. Yes. But until, until those about up, don't tell me about it. I just, I, I don't want people to get their hopes up too much about like Tobias Merriweather. I've already seen some message board posts like, People are really thinking Tobias Weathermother Merriweather is going to come to Notre Dame and like be a starter right off the bat. I just I, that's I just don't think that's in the cards. I I mean well you you have Lorenzo Styles and Dion Colsey and Jaden Thomas from last year, and I think and Brady two Lindsay, of, and Avery and Davis, Lins, and Avery Davis and a Joe and, Wilkins who was basically a a pseudo starter last year. And he should be. I mean, he's all systems a go. I mean, he's probably yeah, I mean, out now. So the it's it's just wide receiver depth that is an issue right now. It's that it's not really like the front line guys. I like the front line guys. I think it's just it's a depth issue. Um, and but you do need to rotate those guys in throughout the game. We do not need to see Brain Lindsay with hands on hips because he's dead, like they like he did in the Oklahoma State game. Probably also shouldn't throw the ball 60 times. <laughs> that'd, that'd probably be ideal. But Brendan or Jude already knows that Notre Dame's not going to throw 60 times with Tyler Buckner, don't you? On a third down. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be – if Notre Dame never had to throw, throw it on third down, I think it would be a great season. I think so too. And I, I understand behind it that campaign. 70 times because they threw it 68 I can't. Oh, <laughs> uh, shoot. Well, I, man, that, that list of questions was daunting. Well, we uh, did it. And haunt. We did it. We did it. We did the thing. Good job, guys. Um, so let's close it out. Jude, last pod, I, I didn't even ask for closing, closing arguments. It's just like fucking court adjourned. I got to go. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Jude. What do you got left so, to take, sir? Um, just a little bit of sad news to share. Um, our our cat, who was a 
years old, almost 14. Um, found out on a thir- Wednesday that he had cancer and on Thursday morning he, uh, he passed. So, um, to be honest with you, I, I think that when people post things about their cats or their dog, their pets dying on Facebook, I usually kind of like roll my eyes and especially if it includes some sort of reference to rainbow bridges and stuff. Um, but rainbow damn, bridges. That, yeah. You don't know. You don't know about crossing over on the rainbow bridge. That's I have no idea. Okay. okay. You, you'll, it's a thing anyways. Okay. Um, but I, I got to be honest when, when the, uh, when the vet told me that, that he had cancer, um, I burst out into tears because that bastard got under, he got, he got into my heart over the last 13 years. And he was a good, he was here longer than my children. He's been here as long as, uh, we've owned this house, almost as long as we've owned this house, um, been here as almost as long as we've been married. So, um, the house is a lot quieter without him. I'm wondering how many more uh, mice are going to be scurrying through our house without him. Uh, oh, many. Yeah. Batting them around and chasing them and otherwise harassing them. And, um, you know, I miss his, I even miss him headbutting me in the morning to, to wake me up and give him pets. So, um, I guess, I guess now I'll say to anyone who's lost a pet, I guess I know how you feel a little bit now. And I'm sorry. It was, <laughs> really fucking insensitive <laughs> up until this point. <laughs> you heartless bastard, Jude. So that's it. Okay. Brendan, you got it. Uh, you got anything left? I, uh, don't have any sad stories or uplifting stories or motivational stories like Jude, the, the, this go of it. It's very cold outside. Um, I'm excited for national signing day though. So, uh, hold not hope that the Notre Dame can sign a five-star wide receiver, right? God bless. From your no. lips to God's ears. Yeah, we'll see that. That's a realistic thing that can happen totally. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm more excited to see if Caleb Williams does go to Wisconsin. <laughs> Especially if he lose Mario and, and USC. That's pretty funny. I mean, people were saying like, well, then Jackson Dart would go back to us. Like, just don't, just don't. No, no, no. JT Daniels returns. JT Daniels returns to USC. Prodigal circle. Just like uh, Hunter Johnson, right? Yeah, going back to Clemson. Yeah. (laughs) Tate Tate Martell's QB career is over. That's sad. That is. That is. uh, Business reasons. Uh, well, I got, I really got nothing. Um, again, like we were saying at the beginning of the podcast, like there's just like probably some time to kill to find out, like to, to wrap up the staff stuff. Um, the recruiting stuff, like I just, there just really isn't a whole lot of 2022 stuff really going on. We'll see what happens. Uh, I always like, like that week build up. um, to the final day now because there might be some names here and there um still looking at transfer stuff going on uh don't know how hot they are right now on any of that but um always possibilities um really that's it really ready to ready for off season goodness Notre Dame won tonight beat nc state in basketball so 
ready to make a real real run in the ACC. That's that's been fun. Uh, I think I think the Irish are ranked twelfth in pairwise in hockey right now. I think it's twelfth. Could be wrong. Um, so pay attention to that. It's exciting. Notre Dame was number two in the Directors Cup coming out of uh, fall sports, gentlemen. That's awesome. Uh, and Stanford was not one. Wow. Uh, it was um, Northwestern. No. It's off the top of my head. I can't remember what the hell it was. In fact, Stanford was ranked like only like seventh or eighth. Oops. Yeah, Notre, Notre, Notre Dame was number two. And of course, the ACC was promoting it. I mean, for obvious reasons, but I mean, of course. You hate to see it. <laughs> but you aren't surprised. Yeah. It might, it might have been a, a school we didn't we don't want to see above Notre Dame at number one. Might have been a hateful school. I don't know. It it wasn't Iowa State. <laughs> I mean that that that'd be an interesting topic to explore in the future. Like which teams do we hate more now? Like over the last five years, they just kind of came out of nowhere. You know what I mean? Like I got oh, a lot yeah. of hatred State's definitely on that list. Yeah, I yeah, I got a lot of hatred in my heart for Iowa State. List. Yeah. So how how do we feel about Coastal Carolina? Uh, hipster trash, hate them. Hipster trash, yeah. They're the neutral right. milk hotel of college football programs. <laughs> that album's solid, though. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, hate them. Yeah. Yeah, Iowa State really st- stands out like a – sticks out as a team that you hate. And I blame Brett McMurphy for all of it. All of it, pretty much. As one should. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, again, get you, get on over to Apple Podcasts. Leave a rating. Leave a review. Whatever review that you leave, we will read on the next OFD podcast. And that sounds like a good old time. We'll get all we'll get all into this. Um, yeah, that's it. So fortunate. I just I this, this is the result of my bad week. I can't even remember the words in my brain. Uh, for Jude and for Brendan, uh, thanks for listening. And as always, go Irish.